February 13th, 1995, Warm Springs, Arkansas. Christopher Chandler and Robert Westerhoff escaped from the Lord's Ranch. They took one of the Lord's Ranch staff vehicles using the Lord's Ranch staff keys. The kids leave. The staff that were hired were incompetent. They had no idea what they were doing. And this is why these people, these kids, were able to escape that night. They made it 100 miles to Greenville, Missouri, and they got into a car accident. What's been said is that Robert fell asleep at the wheel and that Chris was already asleep, which kind of makes sense. They were up all day. And then they drove all night, and around 6 a.m. or so, they get in a car accident. Sure, I could see that happening. I've been on long road trips. I've driven 18-hour days, things like that. It's not easy. I don't recall there being energy drinks back in 1995 either. But there's always been talk about what happened because a resident at the Lord's Ranch, a resident who was under their care, died in that accident. He didn't deserve to die young. And to be quite frank with you, nobody deserved to be at that ranch. Those kids left for a reason. And it wasn't because they were living in the land of milk and honey. No. They were at an abusive facility that forced their own religion on you, a place that has had several sexual assault accusations. I mean, this is a place that would take kids to that underground building and they would make them stand and face the wall in their underwear as punishment. We're talking about male residents here, in their underwear, staring at a wall. That was the punishment. What kind of treatment is that? I can assure you it wasn't in their handbook or in their pretty little pamphlet. No. This place was something different entirely. And nobody knew until it was too late. They were also at a place that was founded by a felon, and what shut the place down was when the new owner, the son of the felon, took over, got charged with fraud and bribery, and he became a felon. So the two owners of the ranch were felons. Maybe not for the full duration, but believe me, If everything that came out that happened at that ranch, I think they would have been felons serving life sentences. And that's just from what I saw. From what I've heard, listen to the podcast. You'll understand. I got into contact with Terry Westerhoff, Robert Westerhoff's younger brother. He wanted to talk to me about this. He found a video that I had made on YouTube 
about the Lord's Ranch. And Robert's name was in it. He burst into tears. Couldn't believe that somebody was finally looking into this. And he contacted me. And he wanted to do an interview. And he wanted to get the word out about what had happened. There's always been theories about what happened. We don't know the answer. Somebody made brief mention that there was a school bus of kids who saw it. I don't know. But here's what I can tell you. February 13th, 2023 is the 28th anniversary of that accident. And that's why we're releasing this podcast episode today. I hope that the Westerhoff family has found peace. It sure sounds like Terry has in some ways. Maybe not in all ways. Sometimes he feels like he never he never escaped that time in his life. He's 43 now. Sometimes he still feels like he's 15. And it's because of what happened to Robert and the questions that surrounded it. Christopher Chandler had to be airlifted out of that place by a helicopter. He ruptured his spleen. He has a scar, a massive scar on it going all the way down his torso. And these staff members left the keys to the vehicle in there at a facility for kids who are supposed to be troubled teens. Do you see the problem with hiring people who aren't qualified to do these kind of jobs? Sure, it wasn't a problem for Ted. Ted could tell these people anything they want. He could tell these staff anything. They were a ball of clay. They had no idea what the standards were in this industry. They had no experience. The only people who really had experience were the people who had been working there for a while. And they paid to get them the experience, to get them the degree, so they could add it onto their resume to make their facility look even better. We have access to these kind of doctors, and we have this guy who has a PhD. The guy actually had a PsyD, but the morons got it wrong on their website. Just like they got it wrong when they said that religion was optional. This facility was open for nearly 50 years. Everybody, every resident that I've spoken to has horror stories of illegal activity that went on there. Sexual abuse, physical abuse, mental torment, heinous acts. And yet nobody was ever prosecuted. Nobody ever got in trouble for it. Ted was eventually arrested, but you know why? Because the FBI went after him. Because he was bribing DHS. Or at least he was trying to. The person he was talking to was wearing a wire. So it didn't turn out too well for Ted. The FBI got to see the real side of that man. And anybody who ever saw the real side of that man... They know what kind of a person he was. And from what I've heard about him, personally, I don't think he belongs in our society at all. He's walking freely right now. He belongs behind bars. 
I think he's a danger to children. I think he's a danger to society. And this isn't a call to go after him or attack him. I don't want my words to be misconstrued. But I'll make it very clear. Tetzel was a con artist. Tetzel was a liar. And Tetzel would do anything he could to sweep all of the bad things that happened at his facility under the rug. And that accident that happened was one of many incidents that happened. I'll be honest with you. I don't recall ever meeting Tetzel. I've seen photographs of him. I read about him in the papers. And I've also heard a number of allegations from both staff and residents. And I believe each and every one of them. Because Ted Soul was the boss of that place. And I know what the company culture was at that place. And the allegations that I hear, spanning nearly 50 years, they're not dissimilar to what I experienced. He allowed a culture to exist that shouldn't have. The Lord's Ranch was not a treatment facility. It was a trauma factory. But back to the crux of the matter. February 13th, 1995. I'd like to say, rest in peace, Robert Westerhoff. You didn't deserve to die young. You didn't deserve the Lord's Ranch. Nobody did. But you were running from a place, a place that I consider a cult, where you were being held captive. And you were going home to tell your family what this place was. And Chris Chandler, I'm sorry for everything they put you through too. Because once you're on the Lord's Ranch radar, they'll do some terrible things to you. And you were in a tough spot. I'm glad you survived. And I hope you're doing okay. Hello. Hey, is this Terry? Yes, sir. Hey, this is Ryan. How's it going? How you doing, Ryan? I'm doing good. Good deal. Good deal. Well... First off, I wanted to say uh, I know you're taking time out of your day to do this interview, and uh, I just wanted to say that I really do appreciate that. No, I appreciate you, man. I couldn't believe when I seen that video. I'm like, holy hell! Wow! <laughs> no way! This can't be! This can't be! This can't be! So I hit play, and I shit you not, dude. The first thing I seen was in 1995, Robert Westerhoff passed. Oh, what the fuck? Let me pause that. Hey, Google screenshot. Hey, babe, look at this. Holy cow! Who is this guy? <laughs> Just another fellow resident. Yeah, right. man. Yeah. Just another person who was there. See, I got goose, man. See, I got goosebumps again, man. Cool. Yeah. It was just like, I don't know. I've been waiting for forever just for anything to come out about that place. I've yeah. seen, you know, with the Donald Trump and all that. Oh, and the guy yeah. went to prison and he got commuted and all that. Yeah, I'm like, wow, that dude. Me off. Wow, man. Man, wow. Yes, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, I'm so glad you're happy about that. 
But yeah, Ted Soul's sentence was commuted. Well, at least he wasn't pardoned, so he is still a felon. So that that much is good. Anyways, uh, having said all that, do you have any questions for me before we get started? No, man. Like, I just... It's cool. I'm like, like, no. I I just want to thank you for posting that video, man. (laughs) Like, for real. I'm genuinely happy to hear that, so thank you. Seriously, that really does mean a lot. And, uh, yeah, so, great. Well, let's go ahead and get this ball rolling, and uh, we'll start asking some questions. First of all, um, can you tell me your name and how old you are? Yeah, my name's Terrence Westerhoff, and I'm 43. 43, okay. Do you prefer Terrence or Terry? Terry. Terry? Okay, I'll go with Terry then. So, February 13th, 1995. What can you tell me about that day? Well, that was the day that uh, my brother Robert, uh, Robert and uh, another team, uh, Chris Chandler, they had left that... uh, Arkansas Lawrence Ranch, right there in Warm Springs. They uh, broke out, escaped it, or whatever. Stole a van off their property that they had left the keys in in the middle of the night, I guess, and made it to uh, Green Greenville, Missouri, just south of it on I-63, I believe it was. I can't remember the highway. But uh, he wrecked. They say he fell asleep. He wrecked and passed away. He- and that's yeah. So he fell asleep, the car crashed, and he passed away. Yeah, that's away. what they say. Yeah, they say he fell asleep behind a wheel. And oh. the, he veered off the road on his shoulder and I guess overcorrected, flipped the van, and on the first flip he got ejected out and he went through the windshield and his chest was ripped off his body on his way out the windshield on the steering wheel. And when the band came to rest, it came to rest on top of my brother from like his pelvis area, maybe a little bit higher by the belly button area so down. What time did they leave the ranch? Do you know? That was uh, unknown because they never contacted my mother when they found out that when they found him and Chris Chandler were missing, they never even contacted my mom. We woke up. Me and my mom woke up because I was already expelled from school, dude. We were in bad. We, we, it was bad. My mom was a single parent with seven kids. Like, what is she, you know? And three of the boys are teenage boys. You got uh, uh, Robert was 17 when he passed away. Carol was 17 because they were 11 months apart. They were like what they call Irish twins, I guess. They were only 11 months apart. Oh, wow. And I was 15 at the time. You said they were, so, you said they were honor students? Is that what you said? No, Irish. They're like but, you know, I, Irish oh, twins. Irish twins. Oh, yeah. okay. Irish. Yeah, because they're, like, yeah, they're like 11 months apart, I guess. I don't know. Are, are they Conor McGregor <laughs> fans? Yeah, oh, yeah. We're Irish, buddy. I have, <laughs> a, I have a poster with uh, Conor and Nate Diaz from UFC 196. Yeah. It was a good rivalry, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. But um, Yes, sir. But yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, that's all right. And, um... I don't remember what I was at now. Uh, well, <laughs> I got to think of McGregor. You were, you, yeah, right. You were, uh, you were discussing your siblings, your mom being a single mom of seven, which is oh, incredible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And our ages. I was 15. When Robert and Carol started getting in trouble, you know, they, they were like 13 and 14, and they were starting to get in trouble. But anyhow, long story short, my brother was 17 years old when he got sent 
Oh, yeah. No, 16. He was 16. He had his 17th birthday on when he was down there. He had his 17th birthday on February 2nd. That was his 17th birthday, and he was locked up down there. Oh, wow. He got sent there January 20th, I want to say, of that year. Like, the 95 was, like, January 20th. It was toward the end of January. I can't remember the exact date, but we, me, my brothers and sisters, and my mom, we got to go to the juvenile center here in Lake County. Right. And we came in to say goodbye to him. That was the last time I seen my brother alive, and I didn't know it that day. On what date? And when, on, it was like January 20th of 95, somewhere in there. Oh, wow. It was toward the end of January. I remember, yeah, because it was like, it was toward the end. It wasn't the end of the month yet. It was getting close. I remember it was like a week, maybe a week and a half to go to the end of the month. Yeah, so it was probably, what, but, like uh, three weeks later? Yeah, and, and three weeks later, he's already leaving that place. And I don't know, what, I just, did he tell you anything about that place? No, no, no. Actually, the day the day he passed away, man, I shit you not, man. And my mom lost herself. She passed away in 2015. But um, on, in 1985, on the, the day she, on February 13th, the cop came and told my mom that my brother had passed away. I was expelled from school. I was the only one home with my mom when this cop came. And when the cop came to the door, I'm not going to lie to you. She looked at me and she said, I'm not here. My mom had a warrant for arrest. So she didn't want to go to jail. Right. So I told the cop, I said, my mom's not here. He looked at me and goes, Terry, I need to talk to your mom. I'm like, Officer Burns, my mom's not here. He looked at me and goes, I'm not here for her warrant. I need to talk to your mom. I was like, oh, oh. wow, something's going on. All right. Hey, mom. It's funny he needs to talk to you. And I said, you not even, you can delete this if you want. But she looked at me and she said, I'm going to kick your fucking ass when he leaves. Said, <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't got to delete that. It's not yeah. a big deal. And, um, you can say whatever you want on this podcast. Cool. So she came to the door. She came to the door and she's like, yeah. And she's like, he looked at her and he knew, this cop knew my family. They we were all known by the city, like police, because there's some passion with my dad, and all. It's that's neither here nor there, but anyhow, <laughs> he looked at my mom. He said, "Man, you have a son named Robert Westerall." And she said, "Yeah." And he looked at her and said, "Man, I'm sorry. There's been an accident. He didn't make it." And she's like, "What? What do you mean, an accident? He's in. What the hell are you talking about? There's been an accident. He didn't make it." He goes, "Man, there's been an accident, and your son didn't make it." That was the moment I seen my mom die. She never came back from that day. She dropped to her knees. He almost called the ambulance because she went. She went all like we had just gotten back from grocery shop and had no idea about nothing about Robert being gone and already dead. At that time, he was already dead. We had no idea. You know what I mean? It was kind of messed up because Ted Saul didn't decide not to call my mom. <laughs> and anyhow, did you ever talk to Ted Saul about it? No. No, and if I ever got to see that dude, oh, he don't want to see me. Did you ever he talk to anybody from the ranch about what happened? Or I mean, nope, or nope. be a residence or? Nope. You're the first one, man. You're the first resident that you said that you were, you were uh, whatever. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't know how they, they call you guys residents. That's, that's not, I don't know. That makes it sound like, that's weird, man. Like, if I'm an inmate somewhere, I'm not a resident. Like, that makes it, like, they have a, like, 
that sounds like a cult almost. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you're my resident. Yeah. You're a resident. It was like a you're cult. A, I'm not a resident, motherfucker. I'm an inmate. I'm not jumping. I'm going home. That's my residence yeah. over there. Not it, here. It was like a, it was like a cult that was holding us hostage. That's how yes. I, that's how I would describe that place. <laughs> and it, and they wore that Christianity mask, and oh, they were anything yeah. but. There were yes, some yes, there yes. were some staff members that weren't like that, but the oh. company culture there was one of abuse and just mistreatment of kids. It was com- comp- malpractice daily. The place was out of control when I was there. And I heard in the earlier days it was bad, but I've heard just as terrible stories all the way up to 2012, 2013. That, I don't think that place was ever a good place to go for any child. No. And the day, though, that's what I was... The day he passed away, my mom received a letter from him in the mail. Oh, no. That was crazy. The day he passed away, it was a letter that they let him write. The only letter, because we never got the con- He didn't get the call. She didn't get to call him. When he got down there, they called my mother and told him that he made it and he was okay. She didn't get to talk to him. So she got a letter that day he passed away. And it, it, she opened it up, and I'll never forget it. It said, hey, mom, how you guys doing? I hate it down here. This place sucks. And today is my birthday, and I feel no older today than I did yesterday. That was, for some reason, that, that sentence, I don't know, stuck out in my head. I'm like, wow. But, like, a Wait, week later. The stress. I can see that. And then, um, there's, after, it was like, I don't know, probably a week had gone by, and they sent, somebody had sent my mom a letter saying that they were, or an investigator, and it was a woman's name. I do not remember her name. But this lady requested some picture that, uh, there was two pictures of my brother. I want to say like a photo that they take of you when you go in there. And then another photo of them at Burger King. They got to go to Burger King or something that day. One of the days, and they were at the uh, table. And his letter that he wrote. This reporter asked for all that stuff. My mom sent it. The reporter never reported back. It's gone. See, to me, there was no reporter. That was Mr. Sloan and all them on the inside saying, hey, write this fake-ass letter. Let's get that shit back. It was, it's, man. My mom never, like, pursued any charges or anything, like, against this dude. She was afraid. I don't know, maybe because it was my dad. He beat the shit out of her all the time. Maybe he... He beat her even, I don't know, maybe she didn't feel powerful enough to do anything. I have no idea. Right. But me, I'm 43 years old, and it's like, I've been stuck since that day. I've never understood why two teenagers can leave a facility, and the owner not be charged when one of the kids dies in the home. How is that? I, I don't get it. I don't, I don't, if I, if I had a party here and had kids drinking, and that kid left, I would be charged. I would be charged with involuntary manslaughter or something, but I, uh, that kid is under my responsibility. Right. That's what I don't get. Well, one thing that I've noticed as I've done these interviews is it seemed like they would intentionally hire people who really had no experience in this particular field. So they didn't know the rules. So they could tell them whatever they wanted – and they would think, oh, okay, that's how I'm supposed to do it. For example, 
if if they're the the staff members are what's referred to as mandated reporters. A mandated reporter is supposed to tell the state of Arkansas. Uh, if there's any type of abuse going on in the facility, they're even supposed to tell them if they suspect there's abuse, and then they allow, and then the you know the people I don't know if they're at I can't remember what if it's a DHS or wherever, but they're supposed to investigate the matter. The Lord's Ranch staff, the bosses, they said you either give your complaint to a, your boss or give it to the office. And I don't think any of those letters, if they were written, ever saw the light of day. And that's the thing. I think they, they wanted to hide so much of what was going on there. And there have been so many allegations of sexual assault for boys and girls. And there was, there's obviously, there was a, a, accusations of physical abuse. And I can attest to that personally because. I was physically abused, and I also witnessed several people who were physically abused. I saw kids get their arms broken. I saw kids get stitches. I saw I saw all kinds of things like that. And they would hire these large men, very just you know. There's this you know guys that are like six foot four, guys that are over three hundred pounds, and they're they're muscular and they're mean, and they treat you like you're subhuman, and it really breaks you down. And then on top of that, you know, it's as unimportant as this may sound, you know, they shave your head pretty much, you know, like once a month or something, it, or it's not full on shave, but it's like a buzz cut. And you, 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 and then they push this religion on you and it just feels like it's a cult and they were federally funded and they weren't, so they weren't supposed to push religion like they were, but we were forced to go, go to chapel we were forced to do Bible studies. They would answer any of our questions with references to the Bible. It was, it was, it was, it should not wow. have been federally funded. Separation of church and state was being, it wasn't being obeyed. No. What if a Christian goes to a facility and they teach Islam? Think about that. Well, that's yeah. how an atheist is going to feel if they have Christianity getting pushed on them. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. They weren't supposed to do that. Separation of church and state matters. And the thing is, they would teach us one thing, and then they would do the complete opposite. They were not supposed to put their hands on us unless we were being a threat to ourselves or others. And they would do it if we talked back. They would do it if we didn't comply with what they said. They would do it if they were in a bad mood. They would all sorts of stuff. I mean, how long was your brother there? Uh, about three and a half weeks. He was only there three and a half weeks before he left. Yes, sir. I can. I would wager that he yeah. saw some things. I promise you, he did. I know he did. <laughs> I know he did. He did. Man, from what we came from, there is not like where we come from. Like what we've lived and witnessed. But my brother was two years old. He was jumping on the bed, and my dad broke his fucking hip. He smacked him so hard, he broke my brother's hip and put my brother at the age of two in a bold body cast from his neck down. My grandfather, my mom's dad, who my father, piece of shit father, worked for at the time, went to work the next day. My grandfather picked him up, hung him over the edge of the roof, and I wish to God he let him go, and I don't know why he didn't. Told him the next time he touched one of them kids, I'm dropping you. 
he pulled him back over the lip and let my dad live. Why he did that, I don't know. He could have saved us from a lot of hell. A whole lot. <laughs> yeah, and might have saved him from even going to the ranch. Because when you have somebody in authority who treats you that way and has that kind of behavior, you're going to pick yes. up on those traits. And it's going to make yes. you act differently than other kids. For yep. When I left the Lord's Ranch, I was a completely different person for the worst. I had a propensity for violence. I was getting in fights. I was very violent after I left the ranch. So much so that I ended up going to another facility. And I was like, great, I have to go to another one of these crazy places. And then I realized, this isn't like the Lord's Ranch at all. These people, they're doing what they're supposed to do. Everything that was in the pamphlet that they gave us, it it stood up to be true they would bring us to a normal public school instead of their school where they just basically say um, evolution's bullshit and create uh, God created everything and you know you know whatever I, I, I don't I don't mind people having their own beliefs that's fine but you do not have a facility where you push your agenda in terms of religion on a bunch of children you don't do that and there were a lot of kids that that didn't sit well with. And when you when you compound that with the abuse, physical, sexual, mental, it was a terrible place to go. And it was it was a basically a sociopath factory. It was a trauma factory. That's what that place was. That's why kids would run. That's why kids would try to escape. So going back to the night your your brother escaped, it always sounded odd to me that he, the driver fell asleep at the wheel. Yeah, after, it's, after going yeah. 100 miles, I, I'm pretty sure yeah. is what it was. Um, something like that. It's about 100 miles from Because, I mean, it, it's... I, I've never been down there. I've always wanted to go down there and see what this place looked like. Because before the state of Indiana sent my brother down there, he was in trouble up here already. And he broke out of the Hoosier Boys Town in Sherville. It was like three or four times. Right. He, in the middle of the get out and just go and he left well after the fourth time him doing it that's when he said you're going to Arkansas and my question is you take a team who's broke out up here out of a locked facility you take him and you send him into the middle of a field that's no fence no no nothing like it's free freaking range from what I've seen on Google Maps there's no gate there's no fence there's no nothing oh no it's it's houseless like House, there's a house here, there's a house there, there's a big, big building there, there's another one, there's a long driveway, and then this thing goes all the way back here in the woods. Oh, what's this big old strip right there? Oh, that looks like a plane landing strip. Wow. Wow, I need to go down there. I've never been down there. I've never gone to the spot where my brother passed away. I really want to. I've never done it because I, I don't know. I might, I'd probably do something stupid when I got there. Yeah, there are, still, so there, I, I there are my, still people living on that property. I've had uh, multiple people who have gone there and sent me footage of the place. Um, just, I, I could send you the footage if you like, and you could see what it looks like there, but it wasn't, it wasn't a good place. And the lakes and everything that were there, those were man-made. And I, I think they were, well, I know for a fact that there, that there were planes that, that had flown there. They did have a private plane, on the, of their own and the the one that was absolutely confirmed was a four-seater however the governor mike huckabee was flying yep. in their private plane that and one of the engines went bad 
and something happened. They had to have an emergency landing in, I believe, I think it was Chattanooga, Tennessee. And they named all of the occupants on the plane. And there were more than four. I can't remember the exact amount, but this wasn't the same plane. If it was, then there were people sitting on the floor. So I, I don't know what to make of that. But the thing is, when Mike Huckabee, before he even became governor, he would have private meetings with Bud. Okay, He would go yep. weekly and talk with Bud. He becomes governor, and they go from getting 140000 annually from the federal government to getting, I believe it was $8.5 or $8.4 million. Holy shit, wow. And the ranch starts making donations to Mike Huckabee's, uh, his campaigns. So you, th- oh, wow. so you think about that. Basically, he's loaning them money, yeah. and they're paying him back so he can campaign and continue on with being governor and making things better for them, protecting them. I talked to a guy who was beaten up by a staff member. He was 10 years old, and the staff member punching him in the face, everything. The kid had braces. His lips were basically embedded into his braces, and he, he was, his face was all messed up. Parents were stunned because the staff member, in the middle of beating him up, suddenly realized, oh, no, his parents are coming here tomorrow. And the reason that the staff beat him up is because he told him, fuck you. That's all he did. So, yeah, yeah, I'm sure my brother fucking did that to him, too. <laughs> sure, sure. And, and if, I'm if, sure if, my brother did. If you say stuff like that, they, they, they will attack you. But anyway... um. The parents, when they saw their kid, uh, he told he, he he just straight up told his parents. He said, "Listen, I am scared to go back to this place," and uh, he had only been there for a month, and they had already done that shit to him. And uh, they took him out. They got him out of there because uh, he was not court ordered. So they said, "Nope, I want my kid out of here now." And then they took the kid back to the house. The staff do, and they're trying to convince the kid to stay there. Do you really want to go back to your old life and? blah, 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 and or do you want to get better and be a better person and all this other bullshit they're trying to push on him. And uh, anyways, his family was looking at filing a lawsuit, and uh, he's not positive, but he believes that it was Mike Huckabee his parents talked to and had convinced them to not move forward with pressing any charges. He said he wasn't positive if it was Mike Huckabee, but he was pretty sure that was the guy that they had spoken with, which would make sense because, you know, Mike Huckabee had been friends with the Souls since, like, at least the fucking 80s. And and legally, they're not supposed to. So if he was dealing with what most of us, or pretty well all of us, were dealing with in being there, even if they weren't beaten, they, they were probably witnesses to the beatings, and they were unnecessary. They would take kids in the back and beat them. They would take kids in the back who were fighting and let them fight each other for their own entertainment. And they would do all sorts of crazy stuff. I remember this. This was just when I was there. And there's stuff that I I remember. There's stuff that other residents remember from different times. And it, it wasn't a good place. So your brother running away comes as no shock to me. Do you know? So the other guy, uh, it was a... Christopher Chandler, right? Yep. Yes, sir. He was 15 years old at the time. Um, yep. Was your brother a licensed driver? 
No. Okay, so you didn't have a driver's license. Have, no. Did he have any experience driving? Oh, yeah. Okay, so... Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, how, uh, how what what kind of experience could you kind of delve into that a little bit? Well, I smell my mom's car and shit all the time, and then my brother Gail just take my mom's car out all the time in the middle of the night. Oh, okay. Yeah. So they just go joyriding, they never, or they go to yeah, like a twenty-four yeah, hours out car. Never, yeah, never got caught, never got pulled over. So I'm guessing they did pretty good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. When I heard he had, uh, I heard about the accident. I, I was like, well, I remember going back there, and because I came back there, uh, what year was it? I can't. I always forget which year it was, but it was. Uh, you were you were, you were locked up. In, you were down at the window in, in, in Arkansas. I went back to the Lord's Ranch. I drove there from Georgia. I was visiting family in Georgia for Christmas, and I was driving to Missouri. Uh, where my brother lived, but I decided that I was going to go back to that place. And I believe it was 2016. Um, so I go back there, and it pretty much looked like the same place. I drove up to the cafeteria, I turned around, and I went into this little parking area that was across from the chapel. I don't believe the chapel was there when your brother was there, but I can't be positive. I'm not certain which year it was born. Uh, they did have some sort of chapel, but it wasn't that one. They had built a new one on campus. Anyway, a truck pulls up to me, and uh, it was Ted Soul's wife. And she asked uh, who we were and what we were doing. And I told her, oh, I, I just made up a story. I have bad phone service. I'm trying to get to Missouri. Uh, so I just tried to find a place to park and try to kind of get my bearings and figure out where I'm going. She gave me the directions that I already knew. And, and then I was like, okay. And she was, yeah, this is actually private property. And I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, blah, blah, blah. And then, you know, I took off and that was the end of that. But um, yeah, they, I mean, they, they do have cameras set up there, but Old Burr, they don't own Old Burr. There are people that I've heard live on Old Burr. Actually, I heard that the, the, um, the Grand Wizard of the Ku Klux Klan lived at the end of Old Burr um, back in like the 80s. Uh, oh, wow. And that's when they were bringing in all those uh, black kids from Chicago. Uh, so obviously that didn't sit well with them. And Bud just thought it was funny. They they had an old plantation house there. And, you know, they, 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 they were, I mean, it was just, it was, Damn. it was, very, it was very racially insensitive what they were doing. Oh, yeah. But, you know, there were multiple states that kept deciding, okay, we're not going to send our kids there because they were finding out what actually went on there. And Alaska quit sending kids there. Um, there was a kid who came back who had um, trauma from sexual assault. Um, I don't know the per person's name. Uh, not that I'd share it anyways because that's, that's obviously his business. But, um, and, you know, there were kids who were beaten from Alaska. I mean, and they would try to hang on to the kids from Alaska. My understanding is they got more money for the Alaska kids, so much so that they actually were looking at building an inpatient facility of the Lord's Ranch in, uh, in, in my hometown or close to my hometown in Kenai, Alaska. Oh, wow. Yeah. And, uh, this was back in 2003 when they were looking at doing that. And then, for whatever reason, they weren't able to get the property or something didn't work out. 
but I do have the original prints, the architectural prints. I have stuff that Ted filled out himself, such as a questionnaire. Wow. Um, I have all that stuff, and uh, so I and I, so I know where he was going to build it. That it, based on the drawings that I saw, it looked like they were going to build it right next to the uh, juvenile detention center. So basically, they were going to try to take kids from the juvenile detention center and have them at the Lord's Ranch instead. They always had strategies to funnel kids from different places. It was because it was all a money making venture. We were we were a means to an end. It was a cult, and we were implants in the cult. We were a, we were necessary implants for them to make their money. But uh, I saw it as a cult, and many other people yeah. describe it that way too. Um, yeah. So it sounds like so. Nobody from the ranch ever called to explain to you what happened or how he got away or anything. No, no, nobody ever called my mom. They, um, it was like it happened on Monday, February thirteenth, and I think Ted called her because the funeral, the wake was Thursday, and we and my mother buried him Friday of that week. Um, so it could have been Wednesday. That maybe that somebody from the ranch called and told her your son's missing, and that's when my step, my mom told him, "No, you dumb motherfucker, my son's dead," and they acted surprised. Really? Like they didn't know. Yeah. And then Ted came to the funeral, but it was the kicker <laughs> that that son of a bitch came to the uh, funeral, and my mother looked up at him and said, "Get your fucking ass out of here." Kicked him the fuck out. Right there. Really? Yeah, that was the only time I seen that dude in my life, and he had some woman with him. I remember it was him and some lady. She had black hair, thin? Yes. Yeah. I, I believe that was his wife. I don't know how long he's been married to her, but that's what she looks like. But, wow, I can't believe he showed up there. And then, so how, what was his initial reaction when your mom said, told him, get out? I Did he say anything or did he no, not really. say sorry for your loss and leave? And try I think to... that's when he, yeah, that's when he came up with this. And I remember him walking up to her with his head down and it's like, whoa, 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 get the fuck out of my face. Get the fuck out of here. Right, right. The guy, said, okay. the guy was as fake as can be. That he went yeah. to, I, I guarantee he went to that funeral for appearances. He did not care for the kids there. there no. If you if you listen to some of these podcasts, former staff members, I remember how they told me how this one kid got his arm broken and he didn't he didn't do anything threatening or anything. He was calm. All he did was deny what a staff member was accusing him of doing. And all he was saying is, I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And the staff member jumped on him, attacked him, broke his arm. The other staff member who was there, the good staff member, he got them away from each other. So the beating would stop. And the kids, you know, on the ground complaining about his arm hurting. I don't know if he was crying or screaming or how, what, how, how he was expressing it. But that happened. And they each, so the good staff and the bad staff member, the abusive one, had to write their account of what happened. They didn't have the kid write an account of what happened, just the staff members. And the staff member who was good, he wrote exactly what happened. They brought it back to him. And they said, asked them to rewrite it. They're like, don't, don't mention anything about the arm being broken because you didn't really know if it was broken at the time. So, you know, uh, and, you know, don't, don't, don't do that. And, 
And, uh, okay, and then he writes it again. Gives it Ted. Ted reads it over. They go back to him. They're like, don't mention anything about, like, the physical. Just kind of talk about what was being said and stuff like that. So he wrote another one. And finally, they accepted it. Well, later on, they had a meeting. And in that meeting, he saw his he saw what was supposed to be his letter. His signature was photocopied to a bottom of a typed letter. His was hand wow. his was handwritten. So they basically made up their own thing. And, yeah, wow. and I've heard stories wow. of Ted taking uh, a vehicle down to the burn pit full of papers and burning them at the burn pit. And he never, I've also heard he never wanted to keep things electronically. He always wanted it all on paper. And then you hear that he's burning paper. And then you hear that kids could never get their records from the ranch. You know, so many kids tried to get their records. What were my records? What was written down? What was said about me? And they weren't able to get them. Somebody might have, but I haven't found anybody who has yet. Um, Maybe that's the kind of where my brothers are. They probably don't got where it is, too. Oh, I'm sure they're, they've been destroyed. There's, they said there's like a seven or eight year uh, limitation to hang on to that stuff. But uh, in, in all likelihood, Ted was probably burning stuff as quickly as he was getting it. And they hired a girl who was supposed to check their Medicaid papers and see if there were any if there was anything wrong if if there was anything incorrect on medicaid so they could stay within compliance she found stuff that was wrong and suddenly they changed her job position she was going through resumes and deciding you know people who should or should not be hired and there was a girl who got hired to do the exact same thing and she all she did was shred paperwork for a week. That's all she did. That's wow. all she was doing is just disposing of paperwork. What was on that paper? I don't know. What was he burning? I don't know. But it sure seems suspicious. And the yes. fact that he didn't want anything kept electronically until they made it a law, I believe it was six months before the um, their outpatient facilities, they had like 25 or 30 of them, were all shut down due to his fraud and bribery charges where he ended up going to prison. And then Mike Huckabee got Donald Trump to commute his sentence, which com- commute is yeah. different from pardon. He's still a felon. He just doesn't yeah. have to face the music in terms of punishment. No, right. So it's all right. Hopefully he gets, uh, well, man, I don't see. They didn't charge that guy with all this. Like this, I don't know. It seems like, some crooked ass shit went down. <laughs> there did. There did. So you said the keys were in the vehicle. Did you hear that yeah. from somebody or? How? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris, the keys were in the. They locked the. the Chris told you that. Keys. Yeah, so, they locked keys in the van. So what? people, they were in the house. They were in one of the houses or something. And some one of the ladies came in and decided to talk about keys being locked in the van in front of these kids. How fucking are you? <laughs> yeah. yeah like, and what, uh, my question is, why didn't they call a locksmith? Or why did they just break the window out to get the keys? Obviously, they didn't care enough. 
No. They didn't think a kid. They didn't think my brother was smart enough to pop that lock on that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come on, people do that all the time, and they, and they don't even have the experience to do it. You know, I've no. I found myself in the situation where I just, all right, I guess I gotta figure this out, and then I, I'm able to get in. You know, so it's you know, it's not outside of the realm of possibility. Um, no, it's very easy. All you gotta do is pop the bottom of the window trim off on the outside of the window, and there's the rod. Just take the thing, hook it, pop, unlock it. Five seconds. Yeah, it's it can be pretty simple. I I actually didn't know that method, but that you know, like I said, uh, <laughs> not surprised. Yeah, the right there, dude. That's a piece of trim. Just pop that thing off, and it's open. It's like, oh, look at that. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Why didn't you guys? Why didn't you guys ask the uh, criminals how to do it? They could have told you. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, yeah. what all the... I like my keys in my car before. That's how I figured that out. How... My daughter's Jeep. Yeah. Oh, really? Like, watch this, Dana. I'm going to that off. See that little rod? Pow. Yeah. There's your Jeep. There you go. You're in. So, I... Like, wow, Dad, that was quick. Yeah. And then you have to call locksmith. <laughs> <laughs> Save yourself 50 bucks. So, yeah. um... But yeah, Chris told me that day, um, somebody, one of the ladies there, had locked keys in the van and they overheard it and they see we're, we're, we're from the same town me and uh, chris we grew up together we went to school together so you knew chris before you went to the ranch yeah i've known chris my whole life oh wow okay i didn't know that <laughs> yeah yeah we, we knew we we're, we're like friends and we grew apart i guess that's the older we got because he went one way and i kind of went the other but sure. you know it was just like that was, you know, kind of had a love for the dude, and when it happened, I kind of blamed him. So I'm gonna apologize to you, Chris, if you ever hear this, dude. I don't blame you. <laughs> like, for real, dude, I love you. I don't blame you. So I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, I, yeah. I, I get it, man. I get it. You know, deaths. Everybody responds to death differently. There was no police chasing him or nothing like that. There was no high speed chase, so there was no. There was nothing like that that happened that caused the accident. I have always believed, like. They noticed this van was missing, and they may, I don't know if they had tracker devices on it then, like run a car is doing, can oh, track your car where it's at. Right, right. And so they tracked it, and they seen where it was at, and he got in their cars and sped up, and they started chasing them down and tried to pit them to get them to stop and hit them and flip them and seen that it was an accident, and they're like, oh, fuck, flipped out, turned around, and left. That's my perspective. That's what I think happened. You know, there, Chris don't ever talk about it. He won't talk about it. He doesn't ever want to talk about that, please. There are a lot of people who are very suspicious of the circumstances surrounding that accident. Yes. Um, so, so what all did did Chris tell you? What, what do you recall? What kind of information he divulged? They were driving. He was sleeping. Chris said he was sleeping. Chris was sleeping? Yeah, that's what he said. He was sleeping. And he said he heard the bang on the, on the tire. He woke up, and that's when he said that he was flipped. And he almost died to himself. His, his spleen had ruptured and everything. It was a bad accident. So he, but he said he woke up. And he woke up, he seen my brother laying there underneath the van. Because Chris was still in the passenger seat. Right. And I guess I don't know. But he said he looked and he seen my brother laying there. He said he knew he was dead. Did the van land? Well. The van landed on its uh, left side, the driver's side. Yeah, yeah, I believe so. Okay. It was one of them. I, I can't. It's either the driver's side or passenger side. I can't remember. So when he, when he went off the road, was this into a pit? Was this like a yeah? It's kind of like a little ravine type. 
Yeah, kind of like a ravine, I guess they said. A ravine, okay. How, how deep of a ravine would you? Um, I'm not sure. Because I know that, like, for example, in Alaska, we have these, you know, there, we have a shoulder on the side of the road in addition to a ditch. And a lot of people will drive their snow machines on where the ditches are, you know, during the that's, winter. That's what I'm thinking of was like a big highway side ditch and they consider it a ravine because it's so deep, I don't know. Right. I've never right. gone down there to look. I know it was like, it's only 67, 60, 63, I can't remember, man. I got to look. I think it's 67. I think that's what it is, 67. I can't remember. Yeah. That's not a big deal. That's okay. If you figure it out, you can tell me. But, I mean, we know he was in Greenville, Missouri. Where was he heading? Just home. And home. what do you think his intentions were when he got back? He invited to tell my mom everything that was going on and why he left. Yeah. They didn't. They would. They would sit next to us whenever we would make our phone calls. Yeah, see, Robert was never allowed to call. And my mom never received a phone call from him. Yeah, it was usually the first month uh, we were, we weren't, this is how it was for me, I believe. I believe it was the first month I wasn't allowed to call my family. I had to get acclimated to being in this place. Then after the, my first month, I was able to make a call. I want to say there were maybe 15 minutes, 10 minutes, something like that. And the way it was set up is we were in this little portable outside of the office. And it's pretty close to the office. And uh, so it's between the office and the cafeteria, essentially. Not in between in terms of you look to the left and it's directly to the offices directly to the left and cafeteria directly to the right. But the directionally speaking, I think the cafeteria and the uh, office were further back than the portables. But uh, at any rate. Uh, the way they would do it is they would call the numbers, the approved numbers on your list, and the, with these with those phones where you can transfer calls. So they had like four or five lines on there or whatever. And then we would answer a ringing phone that had no buttons on it, so we couldn't make our own phone calls. We could only get transferred what they got to us. And then we would have our conversation, and then the staff would sit there the entire time. I've heard from people... I heard from somebody who was hired there. Uh, I believe it was her first week, and she was working in the office. And she said that somebody who had been there for many years, she was a veteran of that place, who worked in the office, said, be careful what you say on the phone. They track what you say on there. They'll listen to your phone calls. And I believe that included, I believe the way she explained it to me was that included the phone calls back home so they could listen to what we were saying i don't know that to be true i just know that i was told that by somebody that somebody alleged that to a new co-worker when she was hired and told her to be careful about what she said on the phone because of that and that included the phone calls that we would make that they could listen to them that always struck me as very odd um but not surprising because they would they would rip up letters in front of kids when they spoke bad about the place. Like if you're if you're saying anything negative about it on on the phone, they would disconnect your call. And if your parents called back, they say phone time is over. That's why the phone call was disconnected, and person would get in trouble. And there was and this happened to a number of kids, and there was no consistency in how it happened. 
Sometimes kids got away with it. Other times, there was there's, there's this one girl who claims that she was given a shot of something because she was yelling, she was pissed off at the place, and that I believe I believe Ted administered a shot to her. I'd have to go back to the interview and listen to it, but he kept her. He had supposedly kept her in a room, and she said that he had sexually molested her, and in doing so, what he was doing was basically just touching her through her pants between her legs, and they had her in a straight jacket while she was drugged up on whatever they injected into her. I think she said it started with a T, so that's what made me think it was Thorazine. But but I've heard of kids who have gotten shots, and they lose days of memory. It's almost like getting blackout drunk, and you lose you know you lose your memory, and you don't know what you did or what was going on, and or if you binge drink for several days or something, and you lose all memory of you know what the hell did I even do like. You know, you, you were just drunk the whole time, you know, and you were so hammered, the memory wasn't being retained. It was almost like that. So kids have described getting a shot like that and then coming to like two days later, two, three days later. That's these are these are these are allegations that have been made by some of the kids that were there. And, Who knows what they were doing to the kids? Wow. It was it was uh wow. it was a, it was an awful place. I, n- I never spoke with Ted Soul. I-, I don't even recall if I ever saw the guy in person. This guy was more remote. My brother did. I always wondered if that guy was there on on, on campus or whatever he wants to call it. Yeah. His lots. <laughs> yeah. But I, did, I wasn't sure if that guy was over there or not. But I, I, believe, what, I believe he lived there. Yes. Yeah, and what we lived through as children, my brother, my brother would have done that year. No problem, but there was something. There was something not sitting right with him. Right, and there's a lot of facilities like that. So there's this other facility. I don't know if you heard about this when the Lord's Ranch changed their name to Trinity. No, yeah, I knew that they did Trinity Was Behavioral that? Health Services yeah. or whatever. Well, there's this other facility called Trinity something or other, and those two would get mixed up quite a bit. Well, that Trinity place got shut down for similar accusations as what the Lord's Ranch had. And there are two facilities in Missouri that I believe just got shut down. And it was like, and one of the names is like Faith Something Something. So I assume it was a religious based facility. Allegedly, there was a girl and that was uh, having a, a female staff member who was having sex with one of the male students, which obviously doesn't sound as bad as a male staff having sex with a female resident because, you know, guys are typically stronger and yada, yada, yada. And, you know, you know, guys at that age, they want to get laid. So, you know, we don't always think of that as being traumatic, but it's pretty fucked up on her part that she did that. And, and I don't know the whole circumstances of that. Uh, but I believe it was, uh, the, the owner or a staff member or something is the one who had mentioned it at a bar to, to somebody. And this girl had, g- had gotten wind of it and she was reporting it to the authorities and she was on TikTok. She made a TikTok video, said it took her two years, but she got the place shut down. And, um, yeah. So, yeah, she got it. And but, you know, the, one of the things that bothers me is it's great that these places get shut down, 
but when are we going to start seeing people being prosecuted for beating kids, for sexually abusing kids, or just, you know, the mental torment, all the stuff. They would make us stand and face the wall for hours on end. I mean, there's, I mean... I mean, have they have they never heard of the Geneva Convention? I mean, there are they they make certain rules about what you can and cannot do for a reason because sometimes yeah. you're taking it too far. I've heard a kid standing on crates facing walls. I don't know what happened to to your brother while he was there. Uh, I don't either. Did you did you guys ever try to get his records because they had to make daily reports about the residents? I'm, uh, you know, I'm not sure if my mom heard did that or not. Did you ever really find that? Know. Did you ever find that police report? No, man, I, I stumbled around here. I know what it is. It's, it, I, I got look. It's in one of these boxes and they're stacked, and yeah. I just didn't do it yet, man. I go right here. Yeah, no, I hear you, man. I know I have it because it was like past four, two or four years ago. I was on the like. I'm on it, man. I'm, I'm I'm investigating it today, and I even called that place you were just talking about, and I went off on the people there. Told them about Ted Soul and how I felt, and they're like, "Okay, goodbye." <laughs> you called the Lord's Ranch. Well, yeah, the, whoever led the, the Trinity Behavior. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, because the Lord's Ranch. Well, because they were, I guess, in the same spot. Whatever the Lord's Ranch was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The they same- changed their name. I think they were trying to rebrand because the Lord's yeah. Ranch had had gotten such a horrible reputation because yeah. there there were articles in the paper about them. Uh, about the accusations, there were numerous complaints from residents about what they did yeah. there. But I mean, I even, even when there were, when it was Trinity, this one kid got his head. So this staff member basically incentivized this kid uh, to, or a couple of kids, to jump this kid that he didn't like uh, and that they didn't like. And the final blow. Have you ever seen American History X? Oh yeah, he did the curb stomp thing too. Oh yeah, bite the curb. Yeah, bite the, the kid. Yeah, bit bit the curb. Wow. He lost four teeth and blood was gushing everywhere. And the person I interviewed, his name was Caden Fair, and uh, he said it was pro- it was the most disturbing thing he saw while he was there. And he and yeah, he's lucky he didn't kill that dude. He saw lucky. right. He saw a lot of disturbing stuff there. And what really struck me as odd is. From what Caden said, he said he was only taken to the hospital to get stitches because it it it, it had ripped his upper lip basically um, all the way almost up to, all the way to his nose. So that had to be stitched up. He lost four front teeth, but he said that he never saw him get sent to a dentist or an orthodontist or anything oh. of the sort. And I don't know how how much longer Caden was there when that happened. But he said, while I was there, I never saw his teeth get fixed. So I wonder well, if they ever were. Um, probably not. Yeah, probably not. And, uh, and then, you know, like, all the injuries that my brother sustained from the accident, I wonder if some of them are pre, pre-existing. I don't know. Not, it not makes me think. It just makes me think. I don't know. He had, um, his hip was like three inches. I know that was probably from the accident. His hip was three inches over from the rest of his body. And that was probably from when the van crushed him. But I, I don't know. Like some reason, I don't know. It makes me think. It makes me wonder. What was, what was the weather conditions like on the night of his accident? Uh, I don't think it was bad. Uh, it was clear. So, and this was in. Fe- remember, this was in February, right? 
Yeah, down in, yep, down in uh, Wayne County, Missouri. So, and it wasn't, so the temperature, it wasn't below freezing or anything? No. no black ice on the road or? Nope. Okay. I was just curious. Nope. I, I know you said he fell asleep, but I was just kind of curious about what the That's road That's what I think, because I'm telling you, man, we would stay up playing Nintendo for days, dude. Like, That's three what days. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, in the 80s, you know, you're up. There's no way my brother fell asleep having that adrenaline in his body. That's, that's no exactly way. what I was thinking. I was like, running away from a facility like that, you're I just not like, fall asleep. it would be a, such an adrenaline rush. I yes. mean, Chris says he was asleep. Maybe he was, maybe he wasn't, because, you know, like you were saying, you you have some theories about what could have happened, and maybe Chris could be scared to say that. That's strictly speculation, though. We, we don't have evidence yep. of that. Nope. Uh, but Chris, we, yeah, but, Chris can speak to Chris, and I don't know if he ever will, man. He's, he's never really talked. He doesn't like talking. He won't. I tried to talk to him about it. He just, he doesn't like it. What, what, it's dark. So whatever it is, it's dark. I don't know. What all is what all has he said to you? Like what, just just that he fell asleep, he ruptured his spleen, was he taken away? Yeah, 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 he was. Yeah, because when I when I ran into him after it, we were face to face. We were about to go because I was blaming him. And he's like, dude, I was almost dead. He lifted up his shirt and showed me the scar from his spleen. Man, it goes from like pretty much his neck down to his waist. I'm like, holy shit, bro. He's like, I was almost dead too, dude. So I was like, wow. So yeah, again, Chris, I'm sorry, dude. I don't blame you, man. Yeah. <laughs> <For old. laughs> I would I would be very the last one with my brother, so it's just like I always want to have that with him, you know, like you know, my brother when he died, dude, like I appreciate it. At least my brother didn't die alone, right. I guess. <laughs> I'd be very interested to hear what 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 he recalls and if there's any other I mean, the details of the situation, like how many, how, did they just roll once or did it flip no, over? It was, it was, uh, no, that was on the police report. It was one, two and a half. I think it was two and a half. Two and a half. One, two. Yeah, it was like a, one, a complete flip, another complete flip, and the line came over and it stopped on my brother. I see. I see. That's, I remember that drawing. That's terrible. But they didn't take pictures. I remember uh, Detective Tackett was on the police report. Yeah. And it was his rookie year, man. Like, ended up getting, that's how I got the police report. He didn't and that's take, how he was somewhere around here. He didn't huh? take pictures? <laughs> no, Tackett, he was like, no, he was, it was his rookie year. The officer who did the investigation at the scene, there were no pictures taken. So, so, so wait, there, there were pictures taken when the officer showed no. up, but not with the other guy? No. No, 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 no pictures of anything. Oh, there was no so pictures taken at all. There's no pictures taken, so you can't look at the you can't look at the scene of the accident and nope. glean any information from what took place because there nope. were no pictures taken. It's just exactly. their word and their drawings. Yes, sir. And Chris was supposedly asleep. Yes. So we have two sleeping people and nope. no pictures. All we have are the people that showed up to the scene of the accident. I'm assuming no one called 911 because it was probably well, late at night. No, it was in the morning. Somebody, that's the, a neighbor, heard, heard, uh, heard the accident, woke him up. Oh. Somebody. I remember that. I remember my mom told me that. Do you know when they called? I don't know. I, I wonder if it's in the I'm police sure. report. 
I'm not sure. Because if it is, then we we could probably get a good idea of when they left the ranch. Because driving a hundred miles, I mean, that's you're looking at ninety minutes, two hours, yeah, something like that. Yeah, I think it was like six a.m. I would say the accident was about six a.m. Yeah, and if he hadn't slept, something like that. Well, if he hadn't slept all day and the sun's, you know, getting ready to come up, I, I mean, it's it's not. It's not unlikely that somebody would fall asleep, especially if you're just driving, you know? I mean, it's just kind of... I mean, I've gone on long road trips, and that's happened. But, again, we don't... There, there, There isn't any evidence. I'm sure they brought the van to a scrapyard and, you know, disassembled it, and that was basically the end of that. You know, whatever was left to be usable. I, I was in a car accident myself. They had uh, both the vehicles that were in that. It was a really bad one. I had broken my legs and gotten like 22 stitches in my face. And uh, we had rolled and I got knocked unconscious and I just woke up and I was like, what the hell? But they had they had our stuff at the police scrapyard. Uh, and the, it was the Alaska State Trooper scrapyard. So um, I don't know how long they stayed there, what, ended, what, what came of those vehicles. They're because there was two of them. There was a large truck, and then there was the vehicle we were in, which was a car. That really surprises me that they didn't take any pictures. I mean, whenever there is a fatality, um, yeah. they're like when the facility had that shut down. Right, it's, it shut. It shuts down. It shuts down the highway. Like so, in Alaska, when we drive from Kenai to Anchorage, it's it's basically a three hour. It's it's a three hour drive, uh, right? So. Uh, and we go there and what typically happens is if there's an accident, we get backed up for hours. They put crime scene tape up or whatever kind of tape they're using, caution, and they investigate the scene to figure out what took place in the accident. And it takes a very long time. And if he's not taking photographs, I mean, what, that doesn't make any sense to me. And then uh, Chris was airlifted from the scene. So they had a helicopter land, too. They airlifted? Yeah, yeah he was airlifted. But yeah, Christopher Chandler was airlifted. He was, he was, and that's what, when I called the the cop, and I was like, Missouri State Police. And I was looking, and I said, Officer Tackett. And then that was his rookie year. He said, the cop that did the investigation filed the report, and Tackett, like, or he wrote the report and Taggett just took it and filed it. That's why Taggett's name's on. He just filed the report. He didn't print it. He didn't like write any of it. And the officer who did the investigation passed away like six months prior to me calling him. So, yeah. But the guy. Do you know who the officer was? I can't remember his name. But Taggett, when he read it, he called me back. He he did some searching for me. He went into the, the archives and he undug it. And he called me back and he read it. He goes, yeah, dude, I don't remember this. And he's like, the cop that did this, he, this was my rookie year. And he goes, in this, you wouldn't forget nothing. You wouldn't forget something like this. Sure. And I'm sorry that, wow. <laughs> and he's like, and he passed away like six months ago or whatever it was. Like, oh, crap. Crap. <laughs> well, now that, and then I had a little black time. Like, okay, wow, damn. So, but, did Robert ever describe what sucked about the ranch, or did he just basically explain that you know it just sucked? It pretty much just he didn't write like it sucked and everything like that. He didn't. But the words like 
when he was writing, you could tell he didn't like it. Yeah. yeah like, we're, 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 we're a race Catholic, so if there were some Baptists down there or whatever trying to get him to accept Jesus as his savior, mm-hmm. my brother probably punched him in his face and walked out. I mean, I don't know. We accept God. We were Catholic. We didn't go to church. But my mom raised us Catholic. She had a Catholic Bible, a real big one. Right. Yeah. This this isn't a this isn't a conversion camp. This no. isn't Bible boot camp. You're, you're, nope, you're, exactly. you're here it to is. get treatment for whether whether it be issue mental issue, mental health issues. I mean, there, there, there were kids that, that were um, there were foster kids that would go there. I mean, they they would basically wow. take anybody they could as long as Medicaid was paying money. Wow. So it was just wow. Well, I just thought that was a place for like, I thought it was like a placement for troubled teens. Like, I don't know. Holy cow. <laughs> no, no, there was, there were kids with me- mental health issues. There were kids that, uh, I mean, there were kids that were young. There was an eight-year-old kid yeah. there. And I remember when I was there, this, this one eight-year-old kid, uh, he was uh, sexually molested by a guy. I believe the guy's name was Josh. I can't remember his last name. I remember both of their faces uh, pretty, pretty, pretty vividly. Um, I, but yeah, I don't remember the child's name, and I don't remember. Uh, I, I, I don't remember Josh's last name. But uh, it was, you know, it was just terrible. They went. They were so. They were. They were just irresponsible. They were. They were incompetent. They. They didn't know what they were doing. They weren't well trained, and that's why you have kids getting broken arms and. Or, or or they leave keys in, in the vehicle in the middle of the night and, and and the kids leave and you have no idea. I assume they didn't have night staff back then. Um, you know what? I don't, I'm not sure. I would wager that they didn't because uh, night staff, that's what we had while we were there. They would check on us every hour on the hour with their flashlights. They'd come to oh, our wow. rooms, shine a flashlight on our beds, make sure we were in the beds. See, even that, that's not enough. I'd be having, like, some, I don't know, man. I'd be checking kids every 10 minutes. I don't know, man. You got trouble deep. That's, that's, I don't know. I, I don't know. I just, I'm different. I would, like, if I ran a place like that, there would, like, like I'd be cool. Like, y'all are here for a reason. Don't fuck it up. You don't, you don't fuck it up, and you're going to get in more trouble. But there's no, like, Abuse. If I had somebody come, one of my, if I ran that place and I had some uh, kid come at me and say, "This is what happened to me," and I got physical evidence of his arm being broken, and he's telling me this, and this adult accident, uh, dude, nope. Like, there, come on, kid. There was a staff. Let's go this way. There was a staff member who watched. <clears throat> these kids told a staff member that uh, this other staff member in their house that was living there, I believe it was called the Joshua House. And he said that this staff member was watching pornography with the kids. So he'd, he'd, so he'd pop them in the DVD player or whatever. And anyways, he had heard about this. And this staff member still had a key to that room because he used to stay in there and he had to find something. So he goes in there to go find it. He found like 30, 40 DVDs, uh, just pornography DVDs. So he wow. went and he, to- he he did what he was taught. He told his boss. He told Ted. He told Ted what happened. Ted told him to his face, you are lying. You are lying about this. That did not happen. 
and why? Why was he lying? Why would he say he's lying? If there's somebody who's there and lying about something like that, if, if, if I was to go and make up anything about somebody and they knew for a fact that I was lying about it, especially something that severe, something that's more than likely illegal, uh, some sort of – that could potentially even make you a sex offender, you know, I mean, you'd get fired if you tried to put that on somebody and it wasn't true. But what he didn't want is he didn't want the bad reputation. All he wanted to do was make that place seem like it was it it was the land of milk and honey. It was this wonderful place that, you know, kids were doing art classes and learning all these cool things and riding horses, taking care of animals and getting therapy on the set. They made it sound like a summer camp with therapy. That's what they made it sound like. And it was it was just pure hell. Every person I've talked to. I mean, no, I, I, I've, there have been people online who said that they enjoyed it there, or like a mom has said, my son went there and he had a good time. I'm like, okay, well, I'd be willing to talk to you on my podcast. I'd like to hear about his experience, and none of them ever do. And then I, I did talk to one staff member who defended the place, said that they weren't abusive. They 100% were, and he knows it. Yeah. Everyone knows it. But he... He came on my podcast, and we spoke, and I actually did like him because I, I, I had never seen him be uh, abusive, and he was one of those guys. There was a there was a group of people. It was kind of like high school. Consider the guys that would beat the shit out of the kids, the jocks. You know what I mean? And they, they pretty much were because they were professional athletes anyways, like guys from like the you know the NFL and stuff like that. But you know the, the, they would they would hang out. And and the staff that weren't abusive to kids, they were kind of like loners. You really didn't see them hanging out with any of the other staff. You'd see them just kind of walking around, doing their own thing, watching the kids. They didn't have that type of camaraderie that you could see among the people that were harming the children. It was like you rose to prominence for behaving that way. I mean – the and, and and the problem is, yeah, there were good staff members there. That's good. At least they had somebody there like that every now and then. Yeah, but but the thing is, the the people who were abrasive and abusive, they were so bad that they dominated the company culture. I was about to say that. Yeah. Wow. So it was it was basically yeah, there were good people, but they were basically smothered out of the picture when the other guys were around. Yeah, too many chiefs and not enough Indians. Yeah, you see, wow. right? You see this. You see a, you see a guy with you know a blonde-headed guy with glasses, and, and he's shorter, and he's, he's he's very nice to the kids. And then you see this big guy that's a professional athlete who could clearly kick your ass. I mean, I was fourteen at the time. I could I could have been twenty five, and he still could have kicked my ass. He's a professional athlete. What am I going to do? Somebody who plays in a very physical sport like football, even though he wasn't very good at it, I checked his stats. His name was Tyree Davis. Um, two touchdowns in his, in his entire career. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> do you know Do you know of any of the staff members' names who were there in in a ninety five when this happened? Or? I- I don't, and that's why I want to stay right here. Like, if they, anybody that worked there in 1995 and knew my brother, I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I'd, I'd put it this way: you should, you know, you should ask them if the, if they'll reach out to you, 
and uh, yeah, they, and if they, they can, if they can if if they can tell you some stuff because I'm I'm sure some kids saw some I I guarantee kids yeah, saw yeah. stuff saw yeah, stuff. If anybody- yeah, if anybody, any of, them, any of the, as you call, as they call y'all residents, mm-hmm. well, I have to call you a name maybe because you guys are in trouble and it's like a jail is supposed to be what I thought would be a jail, but, right. you know, I, I mean, there's residents out there that stayed with uh, Robert Westerhoff and Christopher Chandler in 1995. They broke out on February 13th and died. Robert did and Chris was there left in. Contact me, man. Yeah. I, I don't know if I should put my phone number out there. <laughs> don't do it. Don't do it. What 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 we can do is they can they can reach out to me on our page. Our Facebook page is called What Really Happened at the Lord's Ranch. There's two pages. One page is a group and it's smaller. There's like four hundred of us on there and we have like a our own private chat and stuff like that. So it's a group page. Whereas the other page is more of a public page. And that's the one with like the 2,000 followers. I think that's the one you'll be able to message. I don't know if you can message the group one. But anybody out there who was around that time, who knew him, who saw him around, anything at all. I don't care if the only thing you saw was that he ate chicken one day. I want, I'd, I'd be interested in hearing from you. Because every detail is important when you're dealing with this kind of stuff. I'd like to know what staff were working there. I'd like to know why a female staff member was at a male's house. I mean, unless she was a nurse, but she said she locked the keys in a van. So, because the only females that would ever go to our house were were, were the nurses. The nurses would come and they'd, they'd provide us our medication at night. Or, or something like that, you know. That, that I, I, that's the only thing I can think of when females would go there. I don't, as I recall, female staff never did any. I didn't. I didn't interact with the female staff. Like all these girls have told me how horrible this one female staff member was. Her name was Jan Curtis, and I had no idea she was that bad until I heard it from, you know, every girl that. Pretty much every girl that ever had to deal with her, every any girl that had to be under her watchful eye, you know. I mean, it, it was it's crazy. So, so that 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 kind of strikes me as odd that there was a female at their house. But then again, it was a different time. It was given probably like ten years before I was there. I don't know. I, I'd I'd really be interested to hear from, from some more people who were there at that time. What house was he staying at? Where you know? Um, do you know what time about what time he could have left? Were there night staff? Um, tell us more about how he behaved while he was there. Uh, had, you know, had he gotten his haircut? Had he ever been reprimanded for anything? Because you know, if you never heard from the therapist or him, other than that letter saying that the place sucked, then you you really don't have a full picture of what his experience was like there. The only person that we, that who can really provide that information to us is Chris Chandler. And, uh, did he ever say anything about what it was like at that place? He told me, it was hell. That was his words. Hell. He didn't like it. Yeah. He like, when I asked him, like, what's it like? He just, to look on his face, I just, it goes dark. It's dark. As I can say, look in his eyes, it goes dark. If you listen to these episodes, I recommend probably chronologically. Like I said, I'm trying to keep up with it. I'm fixing all the older episodes, and then I have a lot more to release. And um, 
I recommend you listen to those because that will paint a pretty good picture for you as to what that place was like over the years. Because that place was around for about, you know, 50 years. There, oh, wow. I talked to a girl who was there in the 80s. She's, she's in her 50s right now. She was crying on the phone about her experience wow. and, and what they did to her and the heinous <laughs> acts that she had to deal with. I don't know there's like rumor about Epstein being the tie to this guy. Like I don't know. I swear to God, I don't know. You know Epstein or Geo Epstein, whatever the hell that guy's name yeah, is. Yeah, his name is Jeffrey Epstein. And yeah, you know, yeah. there are people who say that and these would be so I don't think I don't think there's substantial as evidence uh-huh. at this point, but the uh-huh. evidence that I have found is as follow, and it's pretty circumstantial. One, they both knew Bill Clinton. They both were involved with politicians, right? Bill Clinton probably knew all the other governors of Arkansas, and maybe they were involved, and, you know, who knows? Maybe. Uh, There's that, and then there's just the fact that there was all those sexual assault things that have happened. But you also have to look at it this way. Bill Clinton was the president of the United States. He knew a lot of people. He was the governor of Arkansas. He knew a lot of people in Arkansas. And then yeah. how many places has there have kids been molested? Kids get molested. Yeah. I mean, that kind of stuff happens Everywhere. all the time. Everywhere. It's very common. It's sad, it's sad thing, but it's happening right now as we speak, and that's sad. Yeah, it, that's it's really it's sad. disturbingly common, and that's the thing. But yeah. Those are really the only two things that would – that would link Epstein to Ted. I know one of Ted's businesses in New Hampshire. I looked it up, and it's an hour away from the mansion that Ghislaine Maxwell was arrested at. And you know, you know who Ghislaine Maxwell is, right? Was that his partner, that lady? Yeah, that girl yeah. that would basically help to recruit. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Her. yeah. The business is it's, it's an hour's drive, according to Google Maps. It's very close. So those, I think, those are the only things that I found. I mean, they had pilots. I've I found some bizarre stuff. Okay, okay. So check. The, so oh yeah, okay. It's an hour and seven minutes. To uh, if you go to where Glenn was arrested, but you have to go through toll booths, and I, I assume there would be records of. So if he took that way, I, I think I think they have cameras at those things. So if they were to really investigate Ted or anybody affiliated with the ranch, they could check yep. the, that footage. But there's another route that's an hour and. Eight. I was about to say he probably would take the other route without the tolls. <laughs> right, and it's only an hour and eighteen minutes away. But yeah, that that's how close they are, and that's that's pretty close. I, I mean, like I said, but but again, it's it's circumstantial. It's not yeah. nobody's seen them together. Uh, there's no. no evidence of Epstein having any ranch kids. No ranch kids have ever claimed to see him there. N- nothing like that. So while people do talk about that, what I say though is, I really don't give a shit if Jeffrey Epstein yeah. was or wasn't involved <laughs> because. It doesn't change the fact that those allegations came out. So if Jeffrey Epstein were to be a part of that, that doesn't that wouldn't change the fact that people are saying that they were sexually assaulted. So if I, you know, just another name to the list. So I mean, okay, like okay, this guy was involved, 
But this person, yep. uh, it doesn't matter if that person, it doesn't matter who's involved. If an adult no, sexually, ab- if, yeah. if an adult sexually abuses a minor, a se- then it's it just as traumatizing. I don't, yeah, I don't, yes. I don't give a shit what their name is. Nope. I mean, you know, you some right. girls have crushes on older males, and guys have crushes on older females, and stuff like that. You know, there's going to be different levels of trauma or or, diff- or maybe even no trauma for some people. Shit, when I was in high school, if I had a hot teacher and I wanted to hook up with her, I would have been, I would have been gleeful as can be. No, no trauma there. Right, right, right. And, that, and, that's, and that's not to, I, I don't mean to no. make it sound, I, I don't mean to disrespect people who have been victimized or anything no. because not, no. not everybody uh, feels that way. But, no. you know, I mean, the. It's just it doesn't matter who did it. It just matters that it happened, and the person that did do it should be prosecuted if it did happen. But what was interesting to me was so they had their own private plane, right? And it was supposed to be a small Cessna, which you can land those on water. And they had man-made lakes there. I knew somebody in the office who said who, who would see planes land there. She said that the there was water there it was like a lake or something behind the office. I looked on Google Maps and I couldn't find it. But she had worked there so long ago. I think it was like in the eighties or nineties. Maybe it was covered up or maybe it's just not or dried up or it's just not that it's not visible because of all the foliage or it's swampy. I don't know. But I yeah, they, they backfilled it and told it in. Yeah, they could have done that too. Or or the there, I, I did see a, a. There's a big lake. Somebody had pointed out to me this big lake that they had there, and uh, like I said, all the all the all the bodies of water, f- from what I understand, were man-made, uh, and oh, the wow. ranch paid for it. And uh, and it looked like there was a tarp covering a dock at the lake. So oh, wow. if you land a Cessna, you tie it off yep. at the dock. And you hop off, and then you're 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 back at the ranch. So if they're going on flights, I mean, they used to take. There's a resident who told me that they used to take ki- uh, ki- girls to the Philippines. Yeah. Alonzo, wow. Alonzo, Giles, Ted Soul, Bud Soul, and I believe the only male resident who went was a guy who basically grew up there. Uh, his name was Ricky Lawson. At any rate, um, this girl found this uh, guy on here. He's uh, his, his basically. So apparently, he lives in Philadelphia now. But his experience, he has been a first officer on a Boeing seven thirty seven, seven fifty seven, and a seven sixty seven at United Airlines. And one of the things on his LinkedIn says that he were he was the director of operations and training at Trinity Aerospace from October 2005 to December 2006. Like it's just like okay so 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 you can you can fly planes that can travel extremely long distances. Why were you hired at a place called Trinity Aerospace that has the exact same address as the Lord's Ranch? What was that? Were they flying? Were they flying those smaller planes to bigger planes and then going somewhere? There you go. That, I mean, that so so that kind of got me to wondering, and because you know everybody knows about you know Epstein's Island and stuff. Well, maybe they, yeah, yeah. maybe they had something similar. I you know I don't know. I know I had heard of a girl, um, 
who left the facility uh, for she was she was missing from her house for three days, and then when she was brought back, she wouldn't tell anybody where they had taken her. Yeah, I yeah. don't know what that was. Um, I think she was sick around that time, but I uh, but she wouldn't tell. Like if it, okay, if they took you to the hospital or something, then why not just say you right. went to the hospital? It, did, it it just didn't really add up. It was really it was a really bizarre story that she was gone for three days like that, and the fact that they would o- they would only take girls to the Philippines. That's they were residents and they were taking them to the Philippines. They used to take uh, boys and girls to Mexico. And they would ha- they would hand out pamphlets and stuff. And like one resident said that they had an ear infection, and the staff member told them it's not an ear infection; it's just a demon. That that information came from the Freedom of Information Act because uh, wow. the FBI was investigating them. And they have like FBI has over seventeen thousand documents on their investigation on that place. Damn. Yeah. So. I've, and nobody's been arrested. <laughs> like, wow. Yeah, it's it's pretty mind blowing. And the fact that you know, I mean, there are people who that, and that's why I made this podcast. I, you know, I I got I got tired of it. I would think I'm about glad it. You did. <laughs> I got tired of it, and I just I I I don't know. I just I I sometimes wondered if I was the only one who felt you know some sort of trauma from that place, or still had dreams about that place, or. Anything like that, yeah. you know? The other, the other day when I seen the um, your, your, the trailer, mm-hmm. and I seen my brother's name pop up, and man, I bawled. I, like, it opened that wound, and that whole day, I bawled. I, that's why I'm not crying now, because I did it the other day when I seen the video. Yeah. <laughs> it all came out the other day. Well, yeah, well, but, the whole <laughs> thing was just so bizarre how it played <laughs> out, you know? And, yeah, and, I just, and again, I, I, know, I, I know it was... Uh, well, Never 20, got answers. That's, that's Twenty-eight years uh, ago, but yep. know, I'm I'm still so sorry that that happened. To yeah. me, you know, it's just it's a. I mean, that's terrible. You, you, your brother was sent to a treatment facility for help, yeah. and they were so, they were so incompetent that he was easily able to escape from this yep. place that most people would want to escape. I assume yep. he knew the landscape as well as Chris did. Um, maybe I don't know. He's only known it for a few weeks. <laughs> well, we're, we're, oh, he came all right. He came over from Indiana. Yeah, he came down. Yeah, so did Chris. I don't know. I'm not sure how long Chris was there before Robert. Oh, okay, I'm so really maybe, maybe sure. they didn't know the landscape, but that's where they were trying to go. Though they were trying to go home. Did they have maps or anything? Yeah. Did he mention that? Or did or no? They, they were, no, it was before cell phones. Right, right, that. right. So did they have like any type of navigation to know where they were going. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah, he probably followed the highway sign, you know, going north. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's just he knew he was in Arkansas and he had to get to Chicago, so he got on the highway and probably followed the sign for Chicago. Yeah, that makes sense. All of us kids with our smartphones now were like, how the hell did they do it before? Very easy. You had to follow that sign right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Landmarks and signs, kids. Landmarks and signs. That says Memphis. <laughs> turn, turn, turn. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, let's get off on this exit. So. Yeah, yeah. yeah my brother, you know, he, uh, what got him in trouble was smoking pot at school. He got caught smoking pot at school. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he got in trouble. And that's, when he was, was that when he was 17? 
No, uh, he was like probably 14, 15 at that time. Oh, and that's when he got in trouble the first time and they locked him up and got out, put on probation, filled the piss test, got back in there and filled another piss test. Just, yeah, kept on, you know, they set, they, set, they, set your kid, they set a kid up to fail. You know, you're on probation, go ahead and go home. Okay, don't smoke no pot. Oh, okay. Yeah. See how well that goes, kid. <laughs> yeah. Like, and now, now everybody's talking like pot's not even a big deal. It's no, like, it's get like, the fuck out of here. You guys, you guys yep. sell out. Like, it's like, what, what is it? Like a billion dollar industry, you know? And, yeah. And it's, and, and how many DUIs have we seen? Domestic violence, right. people dying in car accidents right. from stuff like that, you know? When people are right. drunk, driving, or, you know, alcohol, I don't drink anymore. I used no. to, but um, I had I had I had some issues with it. It got it got pretty bad. It was actually after I had broken up with my girlfriend, and no. uh, it was not a good breakup. And I just decided it was my time to go to the party scene. I was in my twenties. Let's no. do this thing, you know. And uh, first, it was just house parties because we weren't quite twenty one yet. So, uh, but once we once we hit twenty one, we started. We went from hotel and house parties to going to the bar twice a weekend, and then yep. Sunday fun day drinking, and then walking yep. into work hungover. At Monday shit. hungover. <laughs> yeah, and then just waiting that out, drinking the water, eating some food, and just trying to get past yep. it. Yeah, as you get older, that one day becomes two and three, and then you're like, okay, yeah, you're yeah. done. Yeah, it's fucked up how it does that. Ain't it? You got a young buck, and you're like, yeah, I'm healthy, I'm good to go. And you get older, do that now. Oh yeah, I remember showing up to work. I remember, I remember getting dropped off at work, and I, I was still drunk. My my uh, girlfriend at the time, I had drank with her the night before. I woke up fucking wasted, and she's like, "You got to get to work." I'm like, "I'm calling in sick. I can't do this." And then she just, she's like, "No, you have to go. You can't stay here." So like, we're at her mom's house, and I was just like. <laughs> I was like, I can't do it. She's like, come on, I got to go to work too. She's like putting my clothes on for me. I'm just like this stumbling mess. And then she drives up to the place, drops me off. I worked at the Home Depot. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, I'm about to work a whole shift. And I just walked in there. I was like, well, let's see what happens. And then one of my coworkers looks at me. He's like, either something in here smells like alcohol or you smell like alcohol. And I looked at him. I was like, huh. I was like, nah, I haven't drank in days, so I don't know what it is. Probably some chemical or something. I don't know. And then just played it off. But yeah, I'm sure I reeked of alcohol because my body was just completely, I was like a damn sponge of vodka. So it was pretty bad. Not to talk about myself, but uh, so you, you, so tell me about the rest of your family. And uh, you said your mom died that day. What what, yeah, yeah. what kind of changes did you see in her afterwards? <laughs> uh, my mom for being a mom. There you go. Yeah, like she's still like you know what I mean. She paid the rent and shit, but she just wasn't there. Hmm. Just, she just never came back. She took her my like my brother Timmy and my sister Stephanie and my brother Mikey, like really good. But she she was just never there, like when you didn't need her. I mean, I'm happy that she passed away. I'm happy for her. That don't bother me. I'm I'm like I didn't shed a tear when she passed away. Uh, I'm probably people are gonna think I'm a heartless man for that, but I watched my mom for what was it? 
20 years. She passed away in 2015. You, so, you think it was a relief for her? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was 20 years. Yeah, it was 20 years that she, the day my brother Robert died was the day my mom wanted nothing but death that's herself. That's terrible. Like, I never, like a parent should never have to do that. And I, I'm sorry for every mother out there that has gone through what my mother did. And uh, no parent should ever have to do that. So, when, oh, and before she passed away, my older brother, Kale, he passed away in 2009 from a heat stroke at work. Where did he work? So, huh? Where did no, he was a roofer. Um, he was a roofer. Yeah, that, those are, God almighty, that's <laughs> awful. Yeah, that's the thing. I, I, uh, I, I've worked on a lot of roofs. Um, uh, I've worked in the HVAC industry and, you know, you work on rooftop units and stuff. And, uh, I, I would run out of water and I would basically just work until I felt like I'd like start to get dizzy. And I'm like, all right, it's time to get off this roof and go inside of this school or whatever building I was working on and get some air conditioning, refill my water bottle, things like that. And then I came back to where my ladder was and it was gone. And I was like, oh, wow. I'm like, oh shit. And I, so I'm like, what am I going to do? I'm looking for the best place to jump off this roof because I'm desperate to get off this thing. Like I'm, I'm already at my breaking point when I was walking to the ladder. So now I'm past my breaking point and I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to do. And, uh, I Googled the school, the school, uh, name cause I forgot the name of it up there and I, I got their number and everything. Or no, I knew the name. That, that's not what it was. I Googled the school's name, but I needed their number. That's what it was. And uh, luckily, there was a lady in there. There was, She was a secretary. I was like, hey, I'm a contractor. I'm working on your rooftop. Somebody took the ladder from here. Uh, would you mind having somebody bring it back out here so I can get down? And uh, luckily, she was there, or else I would have had to jump off. I was eyeballing this area of bushes and mulch that I was going to jump <laughs> on. Just tossed my bags and all my stuff down there because I had like a 40-pound bag of tools. And I was like, shit. I was like, this sucks. And I, but yeah, anyway, it was a, that was a, that'll, that'll get you. That's, that's horrible. About your, how long was he up there? Did they give him breaks or anything? I mean, so many of those construction jobs, they push you to the limit and they don't. They don't provide you uh, with yeah, was, what you need. Union. We, we were union. We, yeah, we were union. So it was just like my brother, he had taken a pill the night before that he didn't tell anybody about. It was a circle. Yeah. So for all you pill poppers out there, stop taking the pills and put them down. <laughs> but anyway, he took one to help him sleep. Right. Yep. And he went to work the next day. And the circle, if you don't need it, it heats your body up. So oh, with really? it being, yeah, the, yeah, it'll, it helps and it increases your core temperature. There were kids at the, at the ranch who took uh, Seroquel. I remember, yeah, I remember see, they used to have to every night. Remember for like psychotic people, like you had to be really like crazy to have them prescribe you like Jeffrey Dahmer type people. Right. That's like, wow. But anyway, he took that pill and went to work and my uncle, it was really my uncle, and he looked at him. Was <laughs> he went down to the to the to the back of the truck, and he was picking up a piece of plywood or something and getting the wind off it to cool himself off. And my uncle came down and he said, "What are you doing?" And Carol said, "I thought you were my friend." And he walked across the street and into the gym, and they were about to call the cops. But as soon as he hit the fucking cold, he dropped dead. As soon as he walked into that door, pow, dropped him. 
Wow. He seized out. He, he died right there, and they put him in the ambulance. They brought him back. And um, his core temperature was 109. Oh my, my brother smelled like a burnt piece of meat. When I watched him die, I, he, it was like a burnt piece of meat. So I watched my mom bury yet another son. And I'm like, wow. wow. So in 2015, when she's like, I've got lung cancer. Wow, mom. Damn, you're going to die. Sorry. Holy shit. And she made it 70 days, but it was like stage four. She had a tumor in her neck, winter in her lung. Winter, yeah, it was all over. It, it spread quick. So it metastasized already by the time yeah. they oh, yeah. it. Yeah. It's terrible. Yep. And when she had passed, it was like a relief for me. And like, I don't know, she, I knew she was at peace. Right. So it was like, and my little sister Stephanie, to this day, oh, mommy, mommy, mom, why are you selfish, Stephanie? Like, you are so selfish. Like, she buried two of her kids, and now she's where she needed to be and wanted to be. Sorry about it, Stephanie. Go grow up, get a job, take care of yourself. Yeah. What the hell? You're 38 years old. Yeah. You know, so hey, that's definitely, you go grow up, Stephanie. <laughs> sounds like your family's had it tough, though. I mean, you had to bury three. I mean, two. it's two siblings that you lost. So yeah. you're down to five yeah. siblings, yourself included? Uh, four. Who's the oldest out of all of you? Me. Oh, okay. No. Yeah, Kara was the oldest, and then Robert. And I was like, uh,. Oh, I want to say eight or nine years old. I I had uh, I got to spend the day with my dad. He took me out. And we I, I can't even remember what we all did. One of the things I remember when we stopped at the gas station, we bought Snickers bars. And and I told I, I told you when we spoke last night, my dad he had schizophrenia and uh, you know, he had a lot of mental issues. But as a kid, you don't you don't pick up on that stuff. So when he tells me that he's actually seen a dragon in person, I believe him. You know because I'm a kid. And, um, but yeah, I, I do remember spending time with him and, and he, uh, he, we, we had gotten, we got the Snickers bars and we both had won a free Snickers bar. Remember how now you have to enter codes on the internet, but back then they used to just say free 20 ounce soda or, yep. or whatever. You remember yep. that? And, yep. uh, yes, I, do. <laughs> yep. I remember the squirt bottles. You could actually, if you like cupped your hand over your eye and looked underneath yep. it, you could see if it was a freebie. So you could just yep. do it over and over again. Yep. I remember the guy at the gas station's like, next one you pick up, you got to buy. Because I was looking at all of them, and I was like, I'm leaving. Or I looked at it, and, or, and I can't remember if I left or if I looked at it and it was a freebie or what happened. But, I, yeah, I was, like, clearing them out of all their free 20 ounces. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, it, the thing about that, though, was uh, he was initially diagnosed with bipolar disorder. And uh, he had joined a cult himself. Uh, it was it was called Swedenborg. It was this guy from like, I want to say like the 1500s or the 1700s, and his name was Emanuel Swedenborg. And he had basically claimed that he had he would have dreams when he would when, uh, where God would talk to him, and he would write down what he was. Like uh, like a more up to date, more modern version of the Bible, uh, including more detail. And there were a lot of people who got into it, and he was one of them. And sometimes we would have to go to that church. My mom did not like that at all. But he but he started showing signs of uh, mental illness when she was pregnant with me. So I never got to really meet my real dad the way he was before. He was a smart guy. He was a talented guy. He could, you know, play. I remember he used to play the guitar and sing, and you know, he was just. And he was. Uh, 
you know, six <laughs> six two, big strong guy, and you know he was a. Uh, but I never I never saw that version of him. You know, but as a kid, when you don't know. You know, when he wasn't yelling or screaming at my mom, or they weren't arguing or something, when I got to spend the day with him, I remember I remember moments like that. But um, I I kind of get what you mean about the relief. The thing with uh, the thing with bipolar disorder, from what I understand, is if you don't take your medication for it, it'll get worse. So you, you have your you have your manic episodes, and then you have your depressive episodes. And they just oscillate up and down, up and down, up and down, and then it, it it just it just gets worse and worse. And I think that's how he reached the point of schizophrenia because when he was taking medication, uh, it made him put on weight, and he didn't he didn't want to put on weight. So he said, I'm, "He's like, I'm not taking that shit." He's like, "I'm fine." He didn't like the way it made him feel. He said he didn't like the way it made him look. I'm not taking it. And uh, I was actually I was kind of like him too because they put me on meds after my dad had uh, shot himself because they had me going to therapy because I was a little troublemaker uh, and they thought I had to do with my dad but I really don't think it did I think it was just who I was and uh, but yeah they like had me on like Wellbutrin and shit and I would just cheek it and spit it out and there, I remember there was snow outside this was in St Louis I would I spit it out in the snow then all the snow melted and I see all these pills and I was like oh shit so I had to like smear them into the ground and like try to make sure no one saw them and then uh, yeah my mom remember coughing for that so so what was your reaction when you lost your your second brother and, and, and how, how much longer after after Robert's passing did that happen uh 14 years 14 years okay so it had been a, it had been quite a while yeah, I think in um, 1990s, like in 99, I, I met my wife in 1999, and when we got together, I didn't realize how, like, young we were, I guess you can say. Like, how old were you? It was, like, I was uh, 19. Oh, yeah. And Robert, yeah, so it was only, like, four years after Robert had passed away. Like, so it was, like, I got with her, and my brother, I was just, you know, I was happy. Like I smiled in life. I cared. I was happy. You know, I didn't dread my life on my brother. They would always bothered me. I learned to deal with it and with life. And yeah, I don't know. And in 2009, it was like I was just like past, like like moved. But I don't know. I, I I was finally over Robert. Like moved. Like you weren't thinking. Accept- you weren't thinking about it when you were. No, yeah, yeah. It was like I accepted it. Like okay. I've accepted it. And then, cow, kale. I'm like, what the hell? And everything that we went through as children, I always thought that Kale and Robert would, like, we would go to all together. Like, they were going to be here. Right. Like, we went to some shit, man. My dad beat the fuck out of my mom, like, all the time. He broke her arm one time, chased her out of the house with an axe. We were all in our underwear. He beat the shit out of her when she was going into labor. He molested her. He beat, man, it was just... We ate out of garbage cans while that man fucking sat there and ate McDonald's. Like, real legit. I ate out of the garbage can as a kid. Wow. <laughs> and, I, and there was like... You said he, you said he we molested were, people? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was... Yeah. He, yeah. That, that I can't... I, yeah. We, I guess, yeah I'll, cut, I I'll, I'll, I'll cut that part out. Don't worry about no, it. No, no, no. You can leave it in there. I want people to know my father's a pedophile. That's fine, but I'm just not going to... I don't want to say the victim because that's no, um, no, absolutely um, not. That's that's yeah, that's their but, own thing to 
Actually, he's like sounds, he, sounds he would, like he was an awful oh, man to you guys yeah. and then oh he was he, like this he can leave in there too like he would make me 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 kill him i would like take baths together we do like we're fucking three four two three and four years old what the fuck is he man these boys they're fucking like are you fucking stupid dude yeah you fucking are like yeah. wow god that is like, like he's a sick pervert and i, I like and the day my mom found out when she had cancer, she told me, she made me promise her I wouldn't go find him. Like, growing up, we were split up a lot. Right. I would live with my aunt and uncle. Carol would be with my dad mom. Robert would be with my other aunt. Mikey would be over here all the time. That happened. And then sometimes they would come and take us all back together. But then it was always me getting shoved back to Jamie and Diane's. And these guys would stay together. So it was like, Jamie and Dan's, you said? Yeah, Jim and Dan there, man, my aunt and uncle. Okay. They've all okay. since, yeah. They took the day I was born, my mom signed me away to them. So it was like I was never wanted. I felt like I was never wanted by my mom, I guess. Oh. I was never, like, included in their family. And when, like, they would come get me, they would shove me in the trunk. Like, legit, we would pull away from my aunt and uncles. They would pull off down the, down the road, pull out, pull over a little bit, drop the back seat and tell me to get in the trunk. And make me ride in the trunk. Why? I had no idea. Were you guys talking? <laughs> I not were, were you being quiet or? No, no. I probably because they didn't want me to see the shit that they were doing. And I probably gone and talk, told Jamie and Dan. Oh, were they doing drugs or something? They didn't want <laughs> no, they probably smoking. Probably smoking pot, but they didn't know that. I, didn't care. <laughs> I guess I don't know. You were there eating food. Stop me getting food and just not wanting to feed me. I have no idea. Wow, that's. <laughs> but I was in the trunk. Yeah, so I had a lot. <laughs> I mean, I don't know, like, I don't know, my brother, man, he was, was like, see shit like that. That's how I know my brother, like, he would have, he would have been able to make it through whatever the hell it was, but there was some touchy situations or something going on down there. There was horrible that's stuff. That's why he left. There was horrible stuff that went on there when I was there. And from what I've heard from other kids, there was horrible, other horrible stuff that went on there, too. I've heard I've heard some I've heard stories of kids that uh, they got in trouble. A bunch of boys got in trouble, and I don't know if they were like in their underwear or swim trunks or what they were, but it was like the middle of winter. It was freezing outside, and they all got sprayed down with a hose. And, uh, and that, I don't know how long it lasted or whatever, but that's what I was told happened to one uh, to some of the kids. I think this was in the nineties. And, uh, you know, stuff like that. But to know that Robert went from that environment to a place like the Lord's Ranch, you know, yeah. after he went to the other place that he had gone to, I mean, that that just sounds terrible. It just sounds like he just just sounds like he was looking for a better life. And he was yep. running from all these horrible things he was getting put into. I mean, yes. the ranch wasn't going to be any better. He was my coach, man. Like, you probably don't think I'm nuts, but I'm old. And people say, oh, I was going to do this and blah, 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 blah. No, for real, dude, I was going to play baseball. When I grew up, that was what I wanted. I wanted to play baseball. Yeah. You want to know why? Because the first time I played baseball, I found peace. I found peace in life on baseball. And to this day, if I go on a baseball field, I find peace. Like, it's fun. I love it, and I find peace. So when I was watch a little kid, me, oh yeah, I'm, I'm a, oh yeah. Who are you a fan of? <laughs> and, um, huh? Who, who's your team? Uh, I'm a Cubs fan, man. Cubs fan. Always, 
Yeah, always go ahead and laugh. <laughs> <laughs> it's tough to be a lifelong Cubs fan. It is, man. Go ahead and laugh. <laughs> I was St. Louis Cardinals yeah. just because I was born yeah. in St. Louis. So I, mean, yeah. I know the Cubs fans. Yeah, we're rivals now, dude. We're rivals now, man. <laughs> yeah, the rival is real. <laughs> oh, shit. Uh, yeah. yeah, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. That's right. My favorite baseball player, though, I got a few of them. I got like Ronald Acuna Jr. Vlad Guerrero Jr., Fernando Tatis, I got Pete Alonzo, Javi Baez, Bo Bichette. Man, I'll start naming them all. Yeah. <laughs> I love them all. Yeah. So, but anyhow, when I was a kid, I was like eight years old when I first started, and I sucked. Like, I couldn't hit the ball. I could catch. I was afraid of it. Yeah. So that winter came, and I told myself, I like baseball. I really did. Though I sucked. I don't know why I liked it. <laughs> yeah, usually Every people like I... stuff that they are at least kind of yeah. good at when they first start. And they're like, I want to pursue this, you know? Right. Or, you know, or some pe- other people are different, though. Some people, though, they, they just don't have it in them to give up. And they'll go yep. for it. And I, right, that's what I did when the winter time came. So, like, the fall, baseball season's over. Fall came, I'm out there practicing. Winter came in the snow. I'm out there with a the baseball in the mitt with a frozen ball practicing so next year comes i signed up i played in this little league and they come and i'm winning i'm like it's shining i'm doing better than all these kids it's like i, I did this and when i was 10 years old they came over from the bigger league and i'm not only 10 years old and the bigger league's 12 and 13 and they came over me and said do you want to come play with these boys over here and i'm like yeah so they kind of drafted me, which was kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> I was 10 years old, and they kind of drafted me to the bigger league. And I was only 10 years old. I'm playing with the 12 and 13-year-olds now. Yeah, you did. I'm like, wow. Yeah, I, I, yeah. But all the other parents, they all flipped out like, oh, he can't do that. It's not old enough. And blah, blah, blah. You know, we They're pissed that off that you're not old enough. It's uh, just because you're doing good. <laughs> yeah. Yes, sir. So. I go over there and we play for them. I play for uh, the Twins. That was the team. And um, we go on and we win the world. We win the championship. Yeah. That was cool. At 10 years old, man, I just won the team. Yeah. So I was like, it was cool. And then um, shit happened. And I went back and I had to move back in with my mom. Well, then she stopped me playing baseball. She wouldn't play I it? I didn't give up. Yeah, she couldn't pay it. So I couldn't play it anymore. But I still played it outside in the yard. And Robert was like my coach. He... He would hit the ball to me like if I messed up, if I didn't move fast enough, he didn't know. And he, he man, that motherfucker. <laughs> one more, one more, man. And one day I said, fuck you and one more. I quit. <laughs> <laughs> one more, Terry. One more, one more. Would you say oh, that Rob, you were close, uh, as far as your siblings go, that you were closest to Robert? <laughs> no, I tried to be like, it was like he was just, he, he pushed me. Like he was my coach. Right. I guess so. Yeah, in a way, growing up, I guess I would like of all my siblings, I would like he wasn't closest to me. It's kind of hard to gauge when you have so many siblings too. I had, I have a so I actually had seven siblings after my mom remarried. So two step siblings, four biological siblings. So it was, and then I was the seventh one, and uh, you know it was. yeah, it is kind of hard to determine like who you're closest with because every relationship is unique. I mean, you could probably choose the one you hate the most, but the one that you're closest to, 
little little difficult. Like I like yeah, like my well, I don't really need to bring up who I hate in my family, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um but uh going back to the ranch, so, so what was he court ordered to go to the yeah. ranch? Yes. Do you remember the judge's name who court ordered him? Uh, what was it? Bonaventura. I believe that was her name. Her name? Bonaventura. From Lake County Juvenile Center. How do you spell that? B O N E. Bonaben. Bonaben? That's the name? Yeah, Bonaben. Yeah, Bonaventura. Trail, as in like T R A I L. No, Bonaventura. T U R A, like Bonaventura. Ventura. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, Bona? yeah, Bonaventura. Okay, so it's B O N A and then Ventura, like Ace Ventura. Yeah, yeah, yeah yep, yep. Okay, I got gotcha, you. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. yeah. It's a unique name, then, so I could. I wasn't catching it. <laughs> and then um, that was the judge, and I can't remember who the. Uh, his probation officer was, but she was a fucking, she was mean. Yeah. And I blame her because it was like her brain as an adult at that time was, I had the kid here who's broke out of this place that's been a locked facility or whatever. He managed to get out here. I'm going to go ahead and send him down here and send him locked on guarded and we're nowhere. Like, where, where, how, what, where is their logic in taking that kid from the level two? Just so they say, I don't, I'm not sure what level that who's your boy's town was. Say it was level two, and then we're gonna take him from level two to a level one freaking run as you will. Place. That, I don't, did that, I don't get that. Did his probation officer did she even research the ranch? Because did she, what? did she even research the ranch? I'm not sure because uh, oh, the, she had to grab too because she sent Chris Chandler there too. The same lady who sent Robert there sent Chandler there. The, the, hmm, the reason I asked, <laughs> what was her name? I can't remember her name, man. She was, oh God. I want to say Mary Ryan or Mary Beth, but I don't think that's it. Did she live in, uh, where, she lived in Indiana? Yeah, it was Lake County. Okay. I, yeah, I was just, Lake County, I'm just curious uh, because probation officer. they made that place look like something completely different than what it was. And, yeah. and the thing about it is if, if, if there were, there were States that were starting to refuse there, I have documents of people who that came from like California, I believe. And, and, and kind of watched the place and kept an eye on what was going on. And they saw physical abuse from the staff and they met and their conclusion was that the staff had no, they basically didn't know what they were doing. I could send you these documents. I've posted them on our page too, but he he talked about what the, how the staff would get physical with the residents when they weren't supposed to and stuff like that. You know, so California yep. wouldn't send kids to that ranch, and then Alaska finally quit sending them. And what, what was weird about Alaska was it was they quit for a couple of years. And then they ended up sending them there again. And I don't know why that changed. I don't know if it was the name change or what. I'd have to check the years because I don't remember what they are offhand. But they started sending kids there again. And that place was, I mean, I knew this girl. She uh, she, she talked to somebody. I, I want to say it was at the Discovery Unit. I can't remember where or at a hospital, at the hospital that had recommended that she go there. And she said she went, she went into her room and said, and asked her if uh, she was one of the kids who had been sent to the ranch or, uh, you know, 
basically just brought that up and she said, yeah. And she goes, I just want you to know we're not sending kids there anymore. As if, mm-hmm. as if to reassure her that she knew it was a mistake. But they, wow. And the thing about it is, is Alaska never sent anybody to go check out this place before they started sending kids, <laughs> residents of Alaska, wow. to this place. And All they had to do was they had to be licensed in their state, a state that got licensed by DHS, which Ted Soul got convicted of yeah. bribing. Yeah, like, and, hey, do you want a card here? Come work for me. Yeah. What the fuck? Right. And then, and then the, 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 and then the only other thing was they just had to agree on the price. Those are the only two things. Oh, wow. So they look it over. Okay, we'll send kids there. The other option, Provo Canyon. I don't know if you know much about Provo Canyon, Utah, but um, that was an abusive. They have the same kind, they have the same type of, uh, of uh, allegations that the ranch did. And Paris Hilton, of all people, was actually a resident there when she was younger. And she's, really? yeah, and she's been leading this protest and then she's making, she's, she's basically spreading awareness about what Provo Canyon was. And when I was spoken to, Provo Canyon was one of the options. It was Provo Canyon, uh, the Lord's Ranch, and some place that I think might have been in Idaho, but I'm not positive. Uh, the other, the two places, Provo and the other place, they they didn't have any availability. Ranch took me, which I was okay with because it was closer to St. Louis, and I had family that lived in Missouri, so I was like, well, I could get visits from them and stuff, so that'd be cool. And then if I ran away, I could just you know make my way to St. Louis. So I snuck four hundred dollars into the place just in case I needed it, and um, but. Uh, another thing about Provo was that they had a minimum of 18 months. I was told that the Lord's oh, wow. Ranch was a six to nine month program, which was incorrect. I was there for 11 yeah. months, and my mom called and said, I think it's time for my son to come home because I wasn't court ordered. My mom just did – she did what the, uh, what the hospital recommended uh, just based on – you know because this was my – this would have been my second time at the hospital. I went there a third time, and that's when they sent me to the place in Alaska. That was actually good. But uh, my second time, that's when they recommended getting sent to a long-term treatment facility, which turned out to be the Lord's Ranch. I was I was happy with that because of those reasons. I was like, okay, I just have to behave for six months, and I'm out of this place. I was completely wrong about that because I was, I was I'm like, okay, I've been here for 11 months. What's going on? I got out of there, and I didn't know this until until last year, I guess now, since now it's 2023, but it was months ago that I found out that my mom called them and got me out of there. They didn't say I was done. They wow. got, she got me out of there. They tried to fight her on it. They would fight parents on getting kids out of there. Wow. There was this a really smart girl, girl that I, I was, I'd been working on this podcast with, private investigator, um, very intelligent, very well-spoken. And she, uh, she was going to turn 18, which legally she would have the right to leave the facility. The facility, who had basically been ignoring all of her mom's calls, not calling her back, not returning calls, they start blowing her phone up. 
after, once she starts getting closer to turning 18. Hey, I don't think your daughter's ready to leave yet. I still think she needs I still think she needs more treatment. She's not ready. Uh, so one of our options is that we could take her in front of a judge and we you could help us by declaring her incompetent. That's one option. And then it would uh, you know, every 6 months they would renew it or something like that. And like I said, the Alaska kids, they would make more money off the Alaska kids. And, um, and, and, and they were actually trying to say that she was incompetent. And she is a very competent person, extremely. Yeah. I mean, and I, I picked that up, you know, very quickly upon getting to know her. So it was, it was just completely obnoxious. They basically hinted that their doctors would testify uh, on their behalf that she was incompetent and that she should stay there longer and which could keep her there until she was 21. There was another, there were, re, there were residents that had stayed there until they were 21. Sometimes one of the residents that was there when I was there was above 18 and, um, and, but, but they, you know, they couldn't get out. They were stuck there. I, I think they finally got out when they were 21. I'd have to double check that. I, I did do a podcast with the person, but um, they wanted to keep it off the record. It was just more so we decided just to, you know, just kind of keep it as like a evidentiary thing, you know, something, yeah. something for w- what I've been doing with uh, with other people, and that's investigating what all went, ha- what all happened at the Lord's Ranch. How bad was this place? How vast is this? You know what? What clandestine activities were going on over there that we don't know about? And when I started this in the first place, though, I was just pissed off because of how physically abusive they were. And then I began to learn all of the other things. I mean, yeah, I did. I did do the standing on the wall, and I went to level one for something I didn't even do. But I did. I did get sent there. But I was just upset about getting uh, physically abused. I'm talking to all these kids. And I'm finding out about all these sexual assaults that happened, or that they claim happened. I have to say that I believe them personally. I believe them. I believe it. But legally, you know, you don't want to say that because then you're, you know, you, you can get in trouble or whatever. But but I, I, I you know, I I do believe them because I was I, I I've seen what their company culture was. I saw what it was. They their their sense of morality was zero to none. It was nothing. I mean, they just they they were the only time that they would ever try to you know say that somebody was acting immoral is if it was a kid. It was never a staff member. And 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 then they would fire certain staff members for really stupid reasons. And it was because they were staff they didn't like. Because there was, there was, like, Tyree Davis, he punched a girl in the head for punching him. He was an NFL running back. This girl was small, maybe 110, 120 pounds. I was 14 at the time. I could have restrained her. He didn't do that, though. He punches her back. And the thing is, you're not supposed to do that. No. These are what's called therapeutic holds. And it's to restrain somebody from being violent. It's to prevent violence, not to promote it, not to incite it, not to uh, increase it. They, uh, but that's that's how they used corporal punishment. 
That's how it was used there. I think I had maybe been there for a week, and there was this guy who was also a police officer. Um, or I don't know if he was a previous police officer or if he was just working at the ranch part-time and still a sheriff or what have you, but he was the first person that I saw beat up a kid. And it's because he didn't make his bed right or something really stupid. And and the kid wasn't fighting back or anything. His eyes were just wide open, and he was scared. He was 12 years old. Oh, wow. And, yeah. and, I mean, so it makes me wonder what kind of stuff went on when Chris and your brother was there. Now, yep. now I'm curious. Did Chris go back to the ranch afterwards? or was No. He, so he was no. discharged after I the incident? So. Yep. I believe so. Did he go home? Um. I believe so. Uh, after his time in the hospital, I believe I believe he was in the hospital for a few months. Yeah, Maybe. don't quote me on that, but I believe that's I believe it was a few months he was in the hospital for. Well, I'm sure they didn't want to get in any further trouble and have him there, but yep. you know, I'm hoping that I, I messaged him on Facebook and uh, gave him my phone number, and I actually had just got a call on my phone, but I didn't answer because we're on the phone, and it was a number that I don't have programmed in my phone, and it's a 219 phone number, so I'm hoping it was him calling me. <laughs> no, I ho- hopefully. I hope so, because if it was, I'm about to, I'm going to call him back when we're done, I'm going to call him, he's going to call a number when we're done, and if it is, I'm going to tell him what I did, and tell him I about you, if you don't mind, absolutely, and and let him know that you're investigating this, and I would love for him to tell the story, man. <laughs> um, <laughs> man but like, I think like Ted Salt, that dude should have been charged with a wrongful death for my brother. He should have been charged. Somebody at that facility should have been held accountable for my brother's death. Somebody, I don't care who, but somebody. Yeah, or at least the facility should have, they should have been, you know, I mean, because three years. They could have paid for for the funeral from my mom. I could have bought the headstones that I just bought five, six years ago from one. No, nothing. That dude is a piece of shit. I hope he rots in hell. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. They they were making millions off of exploiting children. Bottom line. That's what was going on. And then they would – I heard they would funnel kids from the inpatient facility to their outpatient facilities, which yep. meant they would get therapy from people uh, outside of the Lord's Ranch. But 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 they were – that business, I think it was called Maxis or something like that. Yep. And, um, and uh, yeah, the outpatient facility, they would actually have former residents go there. They would make that as a recommendation. The parents would do it. So then they're still making money after the kid gets discharged. Or if kids are getting therapy from that place, they recommend they go to the Lord's Ranch. They're making therapy or they're making money off of them at the Lord's Ranch. And I'm sure it's a lot more money when the kid's actually being in the inpatient place as opposed to the outpatient, right? So they have, they're, in, they're probably incentivized to do that kind of stuff. And they had people that were working in schools that kids that would like recommend kids go to the Lord's Ranch, um, like uh, like counselors, you know, something like that. You know, you know what I mean, like school counselors. Yep. They had people that worked for the ranch, and uh, they said that they would send them someone for free. All the school had to do was provide an office, and wow. then that person, basically, there. That what they're inclined to do is try to send the kids 
for the for menial stuff too. I mean, I've some of the stories I've heard of why kids went to the Lord's Ranch. I'm like, kids shouldn't be there for that, for what they did. For I mean, it, it, some of the stuff I heard, it was like that place made the, basically made the kid worse because they're, they're surrounded by like gang members. They're surrounded by terrible staff members uh, that are just you know aggressive and mean and. And it changes who you are. You know that kind of stuff rubs off on you. You know, so when you're when you're mixing delinquents with kids who are just you know not the most perfect kid, but they're not really criminals. Yeah, you have a you have a you have a problem. And yeah, you're gonna have influence on them. the wrong type of influence. <laughs> right, right. It's, it's the wrong type of influence. And then on top of that, they're pushing their own religion and religious yep. agenda, which was terrible for the religion. If you ask me, because they were representatives of the, of, of Christianity. And if they were the representatives of any religion, I wouldn't want anything to do with that religion because they were awful people. So yeah. I'm like, if that's what that religion is about, I don't want to have anything to do. You know what I mean? Like, like, like if I, if I went to a Muslim camp or something, you know, like a, a treatment facility that were, that, that Muslims ran and they would have us do the Quran, read the Quran and stuff. And they acted like the people did at the Lord's Ranch. I would be like, fuck Islam. I want nothing to do with that facility or I want nothing to do with that religion. You know, and would they even let us in the door? I mean, to be honest, we didn't even get to the door. Sorry, not. Right. It's just, it's, oh my God, it's unbelievable. Some of the stories I've heard, the facility changed over the years. There, there's always changes because we're talking about 50 years here. So, yeah. you know, policies change, you know, things like that. But illegal activity, it never waned. As, as far as the allegations that I've heard, the illegal activity, whatever it would have been, whether it was a sexual abuse, physical abuse, uh, Medicaid fraud, whatever, all the kind of stuff that was that was alleged, that never the illegal activities they they never waned, and you know what else never waned was the questions about what really happened, and one of the large questions is about that car accident. I mean that car. Yes. I, it's uh, I, I've had so many, I've had a lot of people talk to me about that. I, uh, I I've that's what we've spoken about that accident on a couple of the episodes. Uh, I've, had, I've I've just you know I've had people ask me if I know anything about it, and no, you know I've only what I've read, but I'd love to get a chance to talk to the person either on or off the record and just kind of get an understanding of what took place. You know, because yeah, he's coming home. Him and Chris were coming home. Yeah. To tell, but to tell us what the hell is going on down there. Yeah. And, yeah, I mean, it's kind of a good thing that Mr. Saul, that my brother didn't get here because me and my brother, my, me, Robert, and Carol, mm-hmm. we probably would have drove back down there and done some stupid ass shit. Like, yeah, I'm probably taking my dad with us. <laughs> Have dealt him into bucket. Like, that's, them dudes, them people are just, I don't know, there's something that right down there. I knew it. Like, the, the private plane, I don't know, it was just the runway. There's like a big strip in there, in the woods back there, where you can, like, land a plane. 
And my mom sees before, like, the Google and all that, my mom had said something about a plane. I know she's like, it's a private plane. I'm like, a private plane? Them motherfuckers are smuggling. How do you know this? Like, you didn't go there, mom. How do you know? Okay. So I was like, then there's the reporter, the mysterious reporter. That's what I get. That's what I don't understand. The mysterious reporter, a lady. Yeah. Oh, I'm investigating the, the Lord's village. Could you please send me any information that you've gotten from your, from your son? Yeah. Yeah, am I going to get this all back? Oh, I'll send it right back. Well, my mom mailed it and never got it returned. Last pictures of my brother. That was the last picture she ever had of my brother. <laughs> One of them was like a booking photo of him getting there, I guess. And it was like, yeah, or you're, where you're standing there against the yep. wall or whatever. Yep. And then the other one was him and Christopher Chan and a couple other dudes at a, at a table at Burger King. And Robert's got his pop in his hand, taking a drink, like saying, like raising it to the air, I guess, like saying hi. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder. But yeah. I wonder. And, who, and I wonder if I they, say it's I, I, it's Ted did the reporter did the reporter say who they were with? No, no. Did it, did it show up at your house without even no, asking? No, no, no. It was a letter in the mail. The lady, uh, it was a letter in the mail. My mom received a letter in the mail from the lady. Is there a return address? Uh, yeah, that's how my mom sent the shit back to her, and she never got nothing back. And never heard from the lady again. Was the return address in state? Yeah, it was in uh, yeah, it was in Missouri or in uh, Arkansas. Interesting. <laughs> yeah, um, she was investigating Ted Soul and uh, Lord's Ranch and uh, the the accident and all that, and my mom believed it. And when I was that young, I kind of like didn't put it all together because I was so young. Right. But over the years, I've grown up. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. Time out. This lady calls you, te- like sends you a letter. You have no idea who she is. How did she get our address to give that to you? Right. Oh, because oh, it's coming from right here. This motherfucker. And then, okay. Yeah, man, he just gave back everything he wanted. He needed. Wow. Yeah, he probably didn't want his picture in the paper or anything. <laughs> or maybe, I don't I don't even know if they could have because they were minors. So they might have not even been able to, but I don't. Oh, yeah, Robert. Yeah, they put his picture in the... Uh... They can put his picture in uh, Northwest Indiana Times. Oh, did they? I didn't know if it yeah. would be HIPAA violations, yeah. but because of Oh, the no, yeah, they asked my mom. Yeah, they asked my mom if they could. Oh, I, I got you, I got uh, you. Yeah, I it was his ninth, I think, I think it was his freshman picture. He had my tank top on. It was mm-hmm. like pink tank top. I'm like, look at this kid wearing my pink tank top. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> everybody laughed at me for that because it was pink. I didn't care. It was a cool color, man. I like hyper colors. <laughs> <laughs> I like hyper cars, man. They're cool. <laughs> yeah, you can stand out. Why not? Right. Hey, that's just that, that's just that's just that. comfort. It that's just comfort, right? You know, that's comfort in your masculinity. Yep. You can yep. Fuck what working, others think. The real man of working, goddamn it, you can go to work there. Fuck it. <laughs> so, I don't know about all that, but so what came of your dad? Uh, he was busy. You told me did you, I think you mentioned googling him? Yeah, his name's oh for everybody listening, his name's Kale George Westeroff Senior. Google him on Nightcase, Indiana. Hang on. Let me I'm pulling up, <laughs> pulling up Google right now. Yeah, like Nightcase, Indiana. Kale has like on the for my case when you hit it, it'll come up with like case name or something else. You get, make sure you hit that the uh name. You gotta like, type the name and type in his last name, so, his first name. So I'm typing Kale as in K A L E. Yep. 
Okay, I type in Kale and then what? Westerhoff. Westerhoff. Okay, I'm typing it in right now. Yeah, if you, if you Google his name, just put Google Kale Westerhoff and it'll come up. It'll come right up and she come up with a nasty ass face. I see some, I see like there's four pictures of. Okay, that, those two, those two pictures. Bald he's bald. bald. Yep. He looks like he dude. looks like he's frowning. Yep, that's my dad. Wanted to name Kale Westerhoff, age sixty four, charged failure to yep. register as a sex offender. Yep, in Fulton, him. Fulton County's most wanted. Yep, that's him. That's the guy, huh? Yep. He got charged with it in '88, and he did two years and got out. And he did it again. He got 10 years, got out. And then I guess he raped some other girl in Gary or something. And they give him 15 years, and now he's out. He would have been a perfect employee for the Lord's Ranch. Oh, yeah. He'd been perfect for him. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that sucks, though, man. That's, 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 a, that's a rough way to come up. Yeah. Man. And you had nobody you could talk to about it. Like it was, I'm sure it was just like, like what could you even do? Chris didn't really want to talk about it. I take it. And you're just kind of having to live with these thoughts and these feelings and these theories and everything else. I've lived angry. I've lived angry, man. I'm very angry all the time. That's my wife. She just tell you. I'm always walking around stomping, man. I was like, hey, I've been stuck, dude. Ever since 1995, I've been stuck in 95. I'm not going to lie. I still listen to music for 95. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, I'm stuck. I'm 43, and I feel like I'm 15 still. Yeah. And it's like, I'm waiting for you to come through the door, but I know you This is the, the answers that's never been answered. That's what it is. The wonder. The, I know what happened to my brother, Kale, and I know what happened to my mom. I've accepted it. I moved on from him, but it's and my brother, man, like, what the hell? Like, he was 17, I was 15, and everything that my mom went through, and everything that we've all went through prior to that in our life, how? Like, why? How? What the fuck? Right. <laughs> like, it killed us. I just wish Chris would have talked to you more, and maybe it could. I maybe maybe it, it. I, I understand it too. I just know. I, I I just feel like it would have been easier for you. Um, yeah. But you know, I mean, he had his own things he had to deal with. When I was in, I when I was in a car accident, somebody died in a car accident that I was in. I was in the I was in the back seat, and I woke up, and me and him were face to face. His face oh, wow. was pushed back. It, the car was pushed back. And so oh. I, and his eyes were just closed. I didn't know. I, I didn't even know. I didn't know if he was dead or if he was unconscious. Cause I had just got knocked out myself and I'm pretty oh. sure what happened is my chin hit the window. Uh, cause you know, if you put, you know, you land a good punch on the chin, it usually knocks people out. Well, I think my chin slammed on the window and that's what KO'd me. And, uh, cause I had to get the, what was it? 23 stitches in my, uh, all but two of the stitches were in my chin and they were picking glass out of my chin at the ER that night and I was and it was all screwed up and there's still scars there but you know I grow facial hair and stuff and it kind of you can kind of it's it's not as noticeable as it used to be so but um yeah at any rate you know that's something it could be it can be really difficult for somebody to you know overcome especially when it was a you know, he, I mean, 
growing up with them and you know just and I blamed him too when I came at him I, I blamed him so it wasn't like I didn't make it easy on him because I was like fuck you dude you killed my brother and this and that and he, yeah. I can only imagine how he would have felt right that's what like, yeah. I always blamed him but it wasn't him yeah Something, I don't know but, but that's the problem. thing though everyone 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 deals with death differently and it can yep. be tough and you do want to blame somebody or you or you want to go into denial or you want something but sometimes stuff just happens like the when my dad killed himself and I, you know as a kid i was left with so many questions and i just i didn't understand it and uh and then when my mom was remarried she got married on father's day and that really bothered me. I remember that. And that's just how it played out. It just ended up being on Father's Day. And uh, and I, I didn't like that. I didn't like, I, I hated the fact that we had moved from, I lived in South St. Louis. And sure, I had three bikes stolen from me and all sorts of shit like that. But I was, you know, I was used to, I was used to walking to 7-Eleven and buying snacks. I was used to, you know, hanging out with Bosnians, black people, white people, all types of different people. Over here, all I have are a bunch of fucking, you know, people who are lifelong Alaskans who live a completely different lifestyle than I do. They're all riding snow machines and snowboarding and ice fishing and all that shit. And I was just like, I don't want to be here. I can't walk. I can't even walk anywhere. Everything's too far away. Because I, I was in uh, Nikiski, Alaska, and uh, Nikiski was it was really spread out. Like you know, I there was really nowhere I could go. I would I would walk out in the woods and just just go out in the woods and just explore the woods. I had nothing to do. And summer, you're covered in mosquitoes. Winter, it's a bitch to walk in the woods because it snows deep as hell, and I didn't, I wasn't equipped with the right stuff to walk through deep snow. Like it's not like I had some, you know, really tall boots or anything, or some chest waders or something. You know, I, I didn't have anything like that. I just, so, you know, and I, I just, I just found myself being trapped, and it was dark all the time, and and I hated it. You know, and then and there was always those questions of, you know. Like my dad wrote a suicide note, and the only mention of me was indirect. Tell the kids I love them, and uh, and it was like a twenty-page suicide note. And I'm just like, I was like, really? Was like this? It just, it just sucked. I just, and I and I I you know I looking back now, I, I mean, I get it. He had, he had mental problems. He had severe mental problems, and I there are things that he did that I could never respect somebody for doing. Can never respect for doing. But like th there's things that I've been told about him that I didn't know about and I I bawled my eyes out when I found out. And I'm not I, I usually don't really cry and, and that's not that's not like a masculinity thing. It's just it just never really comes to me. Like even if I feel like I want to cry, I just it just doesn't come to me. Like I, maybe my tear ducts are fucked up or something, but I don't know. But I, I just don't really cry. But uh, not a cry, dude. But but, but the, yeah, like I'll I'll be like, dude, I want to cry right now, but I can't. Like fuck, like, do I have like a disorder? Like <laughs> something wrong here? Like I, I, I'm really I'm not I'm not feeling this, you know. But but uh, 
yeah, you know, but, uh, you know, some of the stuff I found out that he did, it, it just, it really hurt to find out. And, uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I, I didn't, this, the only stuff I really, he didn't really do anything bad to me, nothing bad to me. Like, he, I mean, I remember I got in trouble at school, which was the norm. And, uh, he, I was hiding under my bed when my dad got home because he was going to spank me with one of those thick dowel rods that like, like a little thinner than a dime or something. And, uh, or the radio or the, uh, d- diameter, no, diameter, diameter or radius, the length of a dime. I'll, I'll say that. Um, um, but, uh, I think it is, a the, um, diameter, but I'm not positive. It doesn't matter. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Anyways. Uh, yeah, but yeah. And then, uh, He's like, Ryan, where are you? Where are you? He's looking for me. And he keeps saying, he goes, are you under your bed? Are you under your bed? If you come out, I won't spank you. He says that to me. So I crawled out. Then he spanks me. And I was like, this dick. (laughs) uh, Grant, I probably didn't say that in my head. I don't even think I cussed back then. I was just a kid, you know. But I wasn't. I mean, that's probably the worst thing I can remember that he did to me. You know, uh, but I have other siblings who talk about him being, you know, physically abusive, stuff like that. And, um, you know, there, there's a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm not going to go into all of it because, you know, I I don't know what my family wants out there and what they, what they do and what they don't. I'd be happy to tell you off the record, but, um, yeah, it's just, uh, yeah, being, being in that kind of environment, you know. But uh, it, it 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 does it haunts you. Some of that stuff it, it just haunts you. Some, the, the the way that I mean, I've had my moments where I just like I wanted to learn about my dad. I never really got to know my dad before he had his mental issues. So I was I called his sister. I called my aunt. I was asking her questions. I called my grandma, who has since passed away. But I called her and I asked about his childhood. Asked what kind of person he was. Asked what he did. You know, good or bad. Good, bad, ugly, whatever. Just tell me about him. I want to know about my my father. The way he was before this stuff happened. I called my mom. You know, all these... And I just wanted to know. And, uh... And, I don't know. It's just one day it just hit me. You know? And it sounds like for you, with Robert, it's just something that you've just carried... You've carried this burden for... 28 years now yep. and you know they didn't take any pictures at the crime scene which is just nope. mind-boggling That's, to me right i don't if, understand that if you have a fatality like how can you not take pictures at that or or, or at the scene yeah you know i guess i guess it's not technical i mean he was driving without a license but you know the scene of, of somebody who died they take pictures right. i know for a fact there are pictures of my dad's dead body that i've never seen I'm not interested in seeing them. No. Don't want to see them. But I know they exist. I I said I saw I saw pictures of the truck he was in when he did commit suicide though. I saw I saw that. They took pictures of that. So why would they not take pictures of the vehicle? You know? And and there's no one else around and they have no they're not quite sure what happened there. Right. You know what I mean? Somebody calls 911, says that this car got in a wreck. 
did you see how it happened? I heard, I just heard it, and oh, okay, you're not going to investigate that. <laughs> if they're <laughs> like, if the if the if the passenger was asleep, then how how do we know that he fell asleep? <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, this yep. that that seems kind of bizarre to me. And yep. and I know they had connect. The Lord's Ranch had a lot of connections. They had connections to judges. They had connections to politicians. These are the souls who own the place. Yep. Who, if Bud was still alive, they'd both be felons. But uh, oh, yeah. Bud died a felon. Uh, Ted oh, Ted is a felon. Yeah, Bud was a felon before he owned the ranch. He opened up that place as a felon from California. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he did what was called wow. a check kite scheme because he was low on wow. he was low he was low on money, or something. Some, something was going bad with the business that he had. I don't know what the business was, but uh, I, I I I'd have to go back and do research again. I don't remember all the details of how the check kite scheme worked, but essentially, um, they would go to and cash banks or cash checks at banks, um. And uh, the that bank would have to. Uh, it would be for, from another bank, though. The check that they cashed um, for somebody's account, and that money wasn't in the account. So, but they would get the cash. So then they would do, and they they basically would. It was like a back and forth thing. God, I can't I can't even explain the check kite scheme because it's kind of convoluted how it works. I can't remember all the details. I wish I could, but you, I mean, Google it if you want to, or you know, I can probably one of these days I'll write it down and I'll explain it on this podcast, and then you'll finally know what Bud did to earn the earn his time in federal prison. Which, by the way, there's no record of how long he stayed in federal prison. Wow. Nobody's no reporters have been able to find it. There's no documentation that has ever been discovered. And he is we can assume he did at least two years because he got two sentences. One was two to twenty years, and the other one was only up to ten years. Now I'm not a legal professional, but when I hear that a crime can get you up to 10 years, it's mm-hmm. usually before the conviction, not yeah. after. Once no. you're convicted, you're told the amount of years. Yep. Or at least the bare minimum, right? Yeah. Okay, you're, yep. you're going to be here for one to 10 years. No, all yep. I said was up to 10 years. Up to 10 years. Okay, so he could have done two years in one He could have done two years in one day, two years for the one sentence and one yep. day for the other. We don't know. There's no documentation yep. of it. That's bizarre. But he and then he ends up in uh, Arkansas, and he got married. Got married to uh, Shirley, I believe, and um, and she's still alive. I, I I can't find a record of when they were married, but that would tell me that he was out of prison at that time. You know, I mean, I I don't know how many. You know, it depends on. Well, I guess I would have to know more details about the marriage because people get married in prison, but you get what I'm saying. I mean, but yeah, there's a a lot of questions about that place. And that accident where there was somebody who died who was in the custody of the Lord's Ranch is a big question. There's a big, and and there's a story. There's a story that's been told. But do we know that to be true? 
Because there's been a lot of stories that have been told that were false at that place. Yes, sir. How kids got arm their arms broken. This uh, Alonzo, this girl told me Alonzo broke her arm because she they they weren't tightening her braces while she was there, and uh, because they weren't doing the routine tightening of the braces, um, somehow she like formed some sort of sort of ulcer or something on her tongue. Oh, wow. And uh, it burst in the middle of a chapel service. So her mouth wow. starts filling up with blood. She doesn't want to make a scene, though. So she's trying to get her staff, the staff member's attention that she's that, that's watching her. And this staff member's Jan Curtis, who you know was really mean to the girls, took her outside. What? What? Got mad at her about... What 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 is going on? And then she opens her mouth, and blood comes out like a waterfall. Just tons of blood. And then Jan suddenly looks scared and kind of quits being mean. And what's how did this happen? What did you do to make it burst? First, it's blaming her. What'd you do to make it burst? She's like, it just burst. I don't know. And then she's and then and then all of a sudden Jan starts really getting mean to her, yelling at her. And she's like, why is Jan's tone changing all of a sudden? Well, it was because Alonzo had walked outside and was standing right behind them. She didn't know. And then because she hears Alonzo say, is there a problem? Alonzo was the preacher there. And then um, and she goes, yeah, there's a problem. She turns around, points at her mouth. He grabs her arm, cranks it behind her back. And she tries to, like, fight it off because it hurts. She's not she didn't do anything wrong. She wasn't she wasn't aggressive, nothing. But he does that and he ends up breaking her arm, snapped it above the joint. So she he, oh, wow. it, it wasn't broken at the joint. It was like broken no. like on the bicep. Yeah, wow. Like it was you have to put a lot of pressure to do something like that. Anyway, they told her her arm wasn't broken. She's like, My arm's broken. I can feel it. It's broken, guys. So the, all these staff members gather, and they have her hidden away from everybody, and they bring a nurse, and they check her arm, and they say, and, and while they're checking the arm, um, she oh, it's definitely broken. She needs to go to a hospital. They tell the staff, make up a story about where she is, where she's gone, why she's not here. It's all the kids. Do not tell them that her arm's broken. And Whoa. she goes to the hospital. They hid her in a house for six months until the day she was discharged. So for all the residents that lived with her, she vanished. Wow. Yeah. They didn't want anyone to know that he had broken her arm. None of the kids. They would bring them groceries and everything. See, you said right there, kids, man. They're fucking kids, man. They're kids. There were kids that were eight They're years kids, old. There man. was a six-year-old kid there. Your kids, man. <laughs> like, wow. I mean, you have kids from six to twenty-one. I mean, come on. I don't know the youngest kid there, but the youngest I've heard of is six. Oldest I've heard of is twenty-one. Yeah, see, that's an adult. Ricky Lawson, by the way, that was the guy who would go to the Philippines. Ricky Lawson. He was the he, he had been there since he was a child. And uh he would go with to the Philippines. Other than that, it was those three staff members that I mentioned. The two souls mm-hmm. in Alonzo and girls from the ranch. Why the hell were they t- flying them to the Philippines? 
Why was it only? Why was it only girls? You don't know sex slave. That's a sex trafficking. I bet. You never know. You never know. I'd be interested in finding out what went on on those. Damn it, Robert! Why'd you have to die? I wish my brother didn't die. Damn it! <laughs> yeah. Damn it, man. You know, I I don't I don't know what your brother saw or what he experienced, but I can tell you the There's first. Something. I mean, it wasn't long before I saw. I saw what kind of place that was, and I, I, I can just about guarantee it wasn't long for him either. Uh, my wife was saying that last night. She was listening to uh, – actually, the other day when I sent the screenshot to her phone, she looked you up, and she's been watching your podcast, man, like religiously. She's been watching them. And, um, on uh, YouTube? Me, or, no, uh, on her on podcast. Oh, yeah, she's she, podcast she, app, cool. Yeah, she podcasts all day. That's what she does at work. She watches podcasts. And I'm like, well, okay, cool, babe. I was, like, was going to say the, <laughs> the YouTube videos are, are pretty much just like a, like an image or a GIF, and it lasts yeah. like the whole thing. And the only thing that yeah, really it's... changes is the beginning and the end. Like, like the that. intro and the outro are the only things that change. The rest is just like a, 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 like a long-lasting GIF. Or that, a... that white van that, that you have on the image in there, mm-hmm. is that – Oh, is that their white van? Is that a van like they had? That's what that they, they drove. Use? Yeah. So I, that's the van that then I that's had. My brother had oh, thank you, man. I always wondered what the fucking van would have looked like, and that's what it looked like. That's I always wondered that, man. Like probably, what the hell? That's probably the van he was in. Yeah, those were the. They did have some other vans, but the majority of them. Look at that trailer that I posted. You'll see all those vans lined up. They were all mm-hmm. the same one. I had that logo custom made. I had a, oh. I had an artist make that for me. I wanted to use that van. I wanted to have representation of the office building that's on the on the property. So that building with the cross on it, that yeah. that's what the that's what their office building looked like. That, oh, okay. That van, those are the vans they used. Um, okay. And uh, I was wondering what it would look like. I, I, I mentioned like a mini, any bitty mini van or a big old conversion van. Oh, it's a big old conversion van like that. I'm like, okay. Now I get, oh, wow, okay. Yeah. That's what you had. All right. Yeah, so, and then the and I put the private plane. If you look in the upper yeah. uh, left-hand corner, you see that plane. Yeah. Uh, that's there because they had that private plane. And, yeah. Um, and, then, I think it's a, and then you see the uh, Holy Bible <laughs> with blood on it. You see, yeah. That I, you see a envelope that says help on it. Yeah, because kids were trying to tell their parents what was happening, and staff nah. staff wouldn't let them see the envelopes though. So no, you, that's what I'm saying. You would have to be, you would have to use tricks. I wrote codes to my mom. That's how my mom found out. Nah. This one girl, she wrote several letters. Right, she would write like she would write like a letter to everybody on her on her list, and they were all really mundane letters. And then, like three quarters of the way through one of them, she would write what she really wanted to say, and the staff didn't want to read these same letters over and over again, so they would only read some of them and then just mail them, and that's how she was able to get them out, get out her message. And then the owls in the tree, that is that actually comes from a story of uh, when a staff member, uh, base he helped. He made sure that this kid who was mentally handicapped could perform an exorcism on me. They were, could perform, huh? Could perform. I, you broke up. I couldn't hear what you had just said. Oh, he. So, 
I'll, t- I'll just tell you the story. Uh, there was this kid. Uh, he, he had some mental issues. And he's telling me, uh, he, he, he's talking all this biblical stuff to me. But you can tell, like, he's not, you know, he, 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 he was mentally handicapped. And, uh, and he wanted to be a preacher or whatever. And he starts talking to me about, like, certain animals that are evil, like snakes and stuff like that. Well, one of the animals he mentioned were owls. Three owls land in this dead, creepy tree, and it's like dusk at this time. We're sitting on the front porch, and he's telling me this. And I point out the owls to Glenn. I said, hey, Glenn, check out those owls. And he, like, this, like, really gets his attention. Like, there's something going on. He, like, freaks him out. And he tells me to go inside, and he's going towards the tree. You know, he's just, he's out there. Anyways, the kid thinks that suddenly, somehow, he came to the conclusion that I was possessed by a demon. So he he tries to chase me down in the house. I I booked it. This guy was this this guy was bigger than me. And, you know, I mean I was I was I was a 14-year-old skinny kid, right? And I'm so I run away and I go and I I I hold the door shut to the bathroom and I have my other foot against the wall. So basically, like I have all the leverage in the world. All yeah. he can do is push off of carpet. And he's not getting anywhere. Then all of a sudden, my body starts imploding on itself from the amount of pressure from the door. I'm like, holy fuck, how is this guy so strong? And then I look up and I realize one of the staff members who's like six foot four was helping Glenn open the door. And he gets in there. I'm trapped. Glenn starts trying to perform an exorcism on me. He's like speaking in tongues and saying all this weird shit. And the staff member is so naive that he believes it's real. He is standing in the doorway, face is bright red, and he's hyperventilating. And I'm looking, I was like, what the fuck? So I started punching Glenn. He is not responding to the punches at all. It's as if I'm not punching. I finally just like, I, I just... I, I was over it, and I just finally said, okay, Glenn, the demons are gone. I'm Ryan again. And then, oh, he, and then he stops. <laughs> and then I walk away. I walk right past the staff member. I looked at him, and I said, I cannot believe you believe in that shit. And I just walked away. And he didn't reprimand me for cursing or anything. Normally, if you cussed by a staff member, you were fucked. But right. not that time, because he knew. I, but But he believed that Glenn was some sort of prophet. I'm like, are you kidding me? The, the guy's wow. mentally handicapped. Like, what is wrong with you? Dude, fucking new baby crush. Like, these people are not qualified to handle children. Like, where are you finding these people? And then yeah. the, the other thing, so this is supposed to be a view from a window. You wouldn't have seen this view from the window. I just wanted this stuff all in there. Um, but uh, in the right... On the lower right-hand corner, there's a uh, paper, and then, and there's a bunch of stuff written on it. Uh, those were meant to represent lines because sometimes if we got in trouble, we had to write lines. Like, for example, if I got in trouble for – if they caught me trying to communicate with a girl, uh, I'd have to write – what was it? A, a thousand-word essay. Well, instead of writing an essay because I don't know how the hell to write an essay about what I did, um, I just would write – 
you know, a 10 word sentence a hundred times. And I try to come up with the smallest words possible. So it'd be as quick as possible. I will not talk to the girls ever again or something. You, you, you know what I mean? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. You know, just, I, I, I would, I would try to find the smallest, you know, synonym for whatever word I was trying yeah. to say. And, yeah, so that that was a that was a that was the meaning behind uh, the logo. That was all. So yeah, my uh, uh, the, I, I I had somebody do that, and I I described what I wanted, and I got it, and I I loved it, and even even the dirt on the side of the van. Yeah, they had their dirt roads had like red clay on them, right? Okay. So the color of dirt on the side of that van, like I even went on Google Maps and made sure that I had the exact color of the dirt because it was a unique. Oh wow! It was a unique color of dirt. I wanted it to be as accurate as possible. So wow. I, I found Old Burr. That was the road it was on. Yep. And uh, I, I I zoomed. I really zoomed in close on that, and I was like, "Yep, okay, that was the color of the dirt." It's kind of like you know, it, just, it had that reddish tint to it. It was like Mars or something. But uh, yeah. You know, that, that that like down there at the beginning of the entrance where you pull in at, there's a little white building with like a is that like a house or a store? What is that right there? That was a store. That's a store. Okay, I, I was wondering what the hell that was. It, yeah, it was a store. It's not anymore. But oh. uh, and the ranch owned it. I, they would have kids work there sometimes. Um, oh, and they would like. I get like a burger or something for like unloading trucks and helping them like get stuff from like the food bank. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, they they had all this stuff there. Like well, I started finding, I started looking on all the shelves and finding all the expired food. And I take everything that was expired that I wanted because I'll eat expired food. I don't give a shit. It still tastes good. Right. Like as long as it's not like seven <laughs> years since milk all right. or whatever, you know. But like. You know, even three days on milk, you can still get away with it. But uh, yep. yeah, anyway, I, I did that and I was and they let me take that stuff home. So that's how I was able to get a bunch of treats. And, uh, know. you know, so that was uh, that I always enjoyed that part. But uh, like I said, there is very little to be happy about when you were in that place that much. I can tell you. And I do. N- I, I don't blame Robert or Chris for running away because. And there, there were kids that got there. There were two kids. There was a kid from Alaska and a kid that lived in Arkansas. They didn't even know each other. And they ran like the first week they got there. Oh, wow. Yeah. And they got and they got put in level one, which was basically the lockdown house where they oh, okay. had like those, you know, fortified glass and stuff like that and deadlocks, steel doors and shit like that like you couldn't you you couldn't get out if they had to take you anywhere you couldn't leave with shoes so you're walking on gravel with just your socks and yeah it's, oh wow it's like 100 degrees or something like you yeah. the heat through your socks like this sucks and you're like trying not yeah. to step on any sharp rocks but uh yeah they they uh I, I mean kids did that there were a lot of people who ran away and i i i've heard of kids running away and not coming back and wow. uh that was one of the scary things for me too, because uh, my I think it was my first few weeks there. I was concussed. I think I believe I was concussed based on the impact and how I felt afterwards by one of the uh, staff members. Um, and I wrote a coded letter to my mom that they were beating kids. And um, anyways, 
she sent somebody from the state there to investigate it. And this lady starts asking me about it. She wants to know the name of the person who did it and what they did. And I was like, okay. And I was like, and what are you going to do once I give you this information? And she said, oh, well, we're going to talk to them and we'll perform a formal investigation. And I was like, well, what are you going to do about me during that time? She's like, what do you mean? I was like, are you going to leave me alone with the people I just ratted out who are clearly violent in the middle of nowhere, fucking warm springs? Right. Like, what if they say I ran away, but somebody murders me and they just bury me in the woods or something? I don't know what these people are capable of. I don't know them. All I know is that they break the law and get away with it. Get away with it. Yeah. I was like, I, I don't, I'm like, I'm like, listen, put me in a concrete cell. I don't care. I don't even need to see a da- an hour of daylight. Put me in a concrete cell while you do your investigation. Just don't leave me here alone with them. I am in their custody right now. You are putting me at danger if you're doing it this way. She wouldn't listen. She tells my mom that I'm lying because I want to get out early. People at the ranch tell my mom the same thing. And then, what, like 20 years later, I still have the same story. And I'm like, what's the excuse now? And now it's just a bunch of scattershot bullshit that they come up with. Like, I can't believe it that, you know, they get on there and they pretend like they're just random people. Like, my son loved that place. And I'm pretty sure like it's staff members. And I've like, I've outed staff members. Like, I caught somebody who was a staff member because uh, I put a fake name for somebody who wanted to remain anonymous. And they got on there. One of the people who had just made this account got on there and said, that's funny. Nobody by that name ever worked there. And I was like, wow, you're an idiot. You just outed yourself as working for the Lord's Ranch. Like, how the fuck, <laughs> how the fuck would you know that? Like, you really know the name of everybody who worked there for almost 50 years? Like, so, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'd, I'd like to find out more about Robert. If, if you do get, get in touch with Chris or if, or if he's willing to talk to me. Either on or off the record, I'd be more than happy to talk with him. Um, but uh, uh, you know that kind of stuff scars people. You know, it, it impacts people differently. I've had, I, I, I've had flashbacks of my accident. You know, and I didn't, I didn't think flashbacks were real until it hit me. And uh, what what caused it was uh, the smell of the fall air in Alaska. Because uh, when I left the hospital. I smelled the fall air and everything. And I walk out of my house, though, or where I, I was renting a place. I walk out and I smell the air. And all of a sudden, like, I had the flashback. Everything was just silent, but there was so much chaos around me. And that's how, kind of how it was when I woke up. I wake up and there's flashing lights everywhere. There's like a whole neighborhood of people standing around me. And I'm just like, what the fuck? And I couldn't hear, I couldn't hear anything. And I had a flashback of that moment. And uh, so I, I, I can only imagine how he felt because what I saw, I sure I did see, I, I did see somebody dead, but he saw something in the, in the terms that you described, it sounded like it was much, it was much more, it was much worse to see. Yeah. Like there was no denying what he was looking at. And yep. that, that probably just, and then, you know, getting blamed for it or whatever. Probably, it, you know, some people just want to leave stuff in the past and get away from it because it's too much for them. So I get that. And that's why, you know, I've I've done interviews with people and I've had, and then they've said, 
hey, I'd 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 rather not put it out there. I just you know I I, I don't want to. Um, and then uh, and then you know I just don't do it because I get it. I get it. You know, you just you just want to leave it behind. Uh, if you could say anything to Robert right now, like, what would you say? Like, if if you had an opportunity to talk to him again. What would I say? Yeah. Um, what the hell? <laughs> I don't know. I, I got all the night. I don't know. I wish I'd have, I wish I could have been there that morning when he decided to go. <laughs> I wish you could have helped. I, I wish I could have been there. Yeah. I just, I wish life would have been different for us. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Um. I'm trying, bro. I'm hoping that me doing this gets your story out and I hope I get uh, some some peace I guess yeah yeah and there you go <laughs> right. that's what I'm trying to do just get, get it out there and like find out what happened and like you said if anybody was out there in 95 that was at the Lord's Ranch that'd be cool to contact yeah. <laughs> if you knew Robert and Chris yeah, it's it's a, it's, you know, it's a really sad had, story. It's just when he had broke out a voice on the last time before he got sent. I'm sorry, that was the last thing I was going to say. No, no, <laughs> got, unless you want. Before he um got sent in December, right before Christmas, he had broke out of um, that voice town in Sherville. Well, he was out for a few days, and I ended up going to Sierra Lake Boys and Girls Club, and I'm up there. And there's a bunch of guys there that we know, you know, Paul Freeman and all of them, and they're all like, hey, Sarah, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, Sarah, I look over, and there's a dude. I know it's a man, and I know damn well it's my brother. He's got a motherfucker who shaves his eyebrows. <laughs> what? He shaved his fucking eyebrows off his fucking head. <laughs> <laughs> Why? To hide his identity. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. I looked at him. I'm like, bro. He started fucking oh man, shut up. I'm like, bro, no man. I, started, <laughs> I, I was I was like crying and he hugged me and I'll never he goes, Don't tell mom where I'm at. And I was like, I'm not gonna tell mom where you're at, but I'm telling mom I seen you. I cannot. Mom's at home crying and fucking eyes all worried about you. Yeah. So I go home. I go in my mom's room and she had remarried at the time to a uh, guy like way younger than she was. He was like 24 years old. And was he better? my brother Kale was, huh? Was he better? In turn, uh, I feel like, was he a good guy? Yeah, he was good. He, you know, he, he married my mom who had seven kids and he was 24 years old. So he, took, I give him my fucking A for effort. Yeah. Same with my, same with my stepdad. He took on five kids and brought them to Alaska, you know, and he, he, my, my stepdad was a good man too. So that's, that's cool. Yeah, I got home and I go in my mom's room and I'm asking if I could talk to her alone. Well, Roger Gregg's is the fucking room and he puts his ear to the door. That's what I'm guessing because I told her, I said, Robert's here. I've seen him over Boys and Girls Club. He's with Billy. Next thing I know, that fucking door busts open. That motherfucker filled up that phone. He's called the Sierra Lake Police and gave it to my mom and said, Report your brother, report your son's. No. She, he made my mom call the cops and reported my brother. So they came and arrested my brother. He hated me for that. And I hated myself for that because I felt like I narked him out. But yeah. Well, you know, I didn't mark him out. I was just trying to tell my mom. And then that asshole put his ear to the door. 
and came in and it was out of my control. I just wanted my mom to know I was okay. Yeah. <laughs> and she uh, thought she was told that Tracy Nolan was uh, a girl that was always after him. Him and my brother, she was like, she was a brother swapper. She'd go from one brother to the other, killing Robert, killing Robert. It was, it was fucked up. <laughs> but, you know, she told my mom that Robert was in Cabrini Green. That's a, a bad area in Chicago back in the early 90s. There's a, a ghetto, like a gang-banging area, a real bad area. Right. If you're white, you don't go there. You get shot. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah. And my mom was told that he was in Cabrini Green and she fucking went off on this girl. And that was when I ended up seeing him at Boys and Girls Club. And I came home and told her he's not in Cabrini Green. He was at Boys and Girls Club. He shaved his fucking eyebrows. <laughs> but I did not know her husband, my, my, my father, my stepfather, was going to stand on the other side of the door when I was talking to my mom. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. Jeez. And he came in and busted that door right down, man. Pow! Picked up that phone. You report him now. What the fuck, dude, man? Dude, I was talking to my mom. This is an A-B conversation. See your way out of it, motherfucker. Right, I'm trying to ease her, you know, ease her fear and everything. And you're, you, you, yep. you just want to take him down and put him back yep. in one of these places? Yep, and then that's when he sent him away. And, is that that's in when, January. Is that when he got sent to the Lord's Ranch then? Yeah, yeah, that was the last time. And then he went to juvenile. They, brought, they took him to juvenile center for a few weeks, for like two or three weeks, and then we got to come in and say bye to him. And that's when he sent him to Arkansas. How did you feel about that? About the I was mad. that all played out? I was mad. Uh, like, I don't know. I just didn't think of, like, I never understood why they sent him to Arkansas. And Carol, my my other brother Carol, before Robert got sent to Arkansas, they sent Carol all the way to Colorado. Oh wow! Because they were both yeah. So Carol's in Colorado, La Junta, La Junta or whatever, some Colorado ranch, and then Robert got sent to Arkansas. And then when Robert died, the kick of this thing is when Robert died, they sent him home on the plane. And guess what plane he was on? The same one my brother Carol was on. Robert was in the cargo underneath the plane, in the coffin, or in the box. And my brother Kale was in the fucking car, in the seat above him. He didn't even know it. Oh, my God. Yep, so they threw him back together and didn't even know it. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Is... Yeah, it's wrong, man. I just always had, I always had questions about it, like what that place was like. And I was wondering about that white building right there. And you told me it was a store. That was cool. At least they had a little store to go get a candy bar up there a while, too. And, you know. <laughs> yeah, right, right. God, I, you know, I, I hope he kicked that door in on that store when he broke out and took some food for his ride. I would have. <laughs> well, if you want to hear stories from people who were there, staff members, yeah. residents, everything else, I've interviewed them and I have. I have several recordings that several more recordings that I am gonna be putting out, but right now I'm just trying to edit all the old episodes that sound yeah. like shit. So I'm surprised that she that your uh, that your girl even listens to some of those. But I've gotten better. Right. I've gotten better at you know editing audio and stuff. So now I'm I'm not as worried as it, as I was before. <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, my my wife don't judge, man. She she she's, she appreciates anything. Like I don't know, she's She's a really cool spirit, man. She's like, like I hate to say like Roseanne, but she's fucking Roseanne, dude. She's cool. She's like self-preserved, I guess. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. She's cool, man. She's really fucking cool. <laughs> My life is awesome. awesome. Did she ever tell you about the podcast? 
No. No, I mean, they have about podcasts. Yeah, she tells me all the time. She's like, I watch podcasts. I'm like, what? What the hell is podcasts? She's like, oh, people just go in and talk. I'm like, what? Then she goes on one, she'll be talking, and I'll be like, well, today, and blah, 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 and this relationship, and blah, blah, blah. I'm like, what the hell is that? Yeah, I know. I, I remember when I first heard when I first heard the term podcast, I was like picturing a pod in my head, and I'm like, what the fuck is a podcast? I, 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 was, I was so confused, I didn't get it. And then... um. I I was one of those guys, like, I didn't give a shit if I had a smartphone, did not care right. at all. I had a flip phone until I got a job that yeah, gave, me, yeah. gave me a smartphone. Best phones ever made, dude. I love a flip phone. I don't know why, I just do. Yeah. I don't know why. <laughs> I like I, them. I, 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 yeah, I, this, I, I just hung on to it. I was like, I don't give a shit. Like, everyone else can have their iPhones. I, all I need to do is text and call. I don't care. Yeah. But then I got a smartphone, and then I became an addict like everybody else and started trying yeah. out all the different shit on there, watching YouTube videos and whatnot. And Yeah, yeah and then, do that on that flip phone. <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, all right, I'm not going back. <laughs> that was like that football man it's like fuck you didn't got worried about it four and a half I don't know that's yeah. just old school so what was the uh, what was the um, funeral like at Roberts was it it was big it was, it was pretty big oh yeah it was big he knew yeah. a lot of people or yeah yeah oh, yeah yeah there's probably like 250 people I'd say do you have a lot of friends it, yeah so kids from school, yep. maybe, kids maybe, from school, maybe kids their from parents, town. maybe yep. maybe some of your parents' friends, obviously relatives. Yeah. Yep, I remember this uh, when we were there. Uh, it was I think it was the wake? I don't want to say it was the wake because it was like five o'clock at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, There's a dude, a couple dudes from Crown Point that had jumped my brother one night. They jumped him and he beat his ass. When it happened, I was with him, and he told me to like, run, Terry, run. So I fucking took off, and I went to the police station. I said, "This dude's down here jumping my brother." So we come back. I come back with him, and the two dudes that jumped my brother are nowhere around, and my brother's gone, and there's blood on the concrete. So I start freaking the fuck out. Oh, well, these guys take me all the way back to Cedar Lake to my house in Cedar Lake which is about a 15-minute car ride, and my brother was on a bicycle. My brother made it home by the time I got home with the cops. My brother was at home. Wow. I was, yeah. I'm like, how did you get home? <laughs> he rode his bike. He booked off. He took off. He said that they popped him like three times. They busted his lip open. Sounds like you guys had some <laughs> you, Yeah, you guys had some athleticism in you. You must have been yeah. on ass. Yeah, yeah, we were yeah, we were very before all the cigarette smoking and all that. Yeah, we were very, <laughs> very athletic. <laughs> we all have our vices. Yes, and then um, <clears throat> anyhow, at the, at the uh, wake, this dude Sean and a guy named I can't remember his first name. He called him Hit and Run. These two come into the funeral and start blah blah blah. Well, there was about fifty of us that took them motherfuckers out in the back. <laughs> so wait, what happened? Yeah, that was it. Huh? They, they what they, now? They took them out in the back. For, they took them out back. For, for, for what? You said hit and run? No, 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 no. They called him hit and run. It was like uh, a nickname they called the guy. The guy that hit my brother. He like punched my brother. Oh. One of the guys, his nickname, he called him hit and run. Oh, okay. But, I got yeah. you. And, 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 and you guys never liked him, so you kicked them out? No. 
I yeah, oh yeah, we kicked him out. Yeah. yeah, I didn't even have to do. I didn't do nothing. The other guys did. They didn't let me do nothing. They threw me back inside. And they went outside with these guys, and that was the last I seen them. So you stay in here. <laughs> yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so wow. Yeah, that was fun. And then um, the day of the funeral, though, it was like it was beautiful, dude. It was like seventy degrees that day. It was sunny, and I remember taking the. Uh, I was carrying the coffin. I was a tall bear, of course, and I was at the front of it. And when we come out the door, I just, I remember seeing the sea of people. I'm like, wow, what the hell? And I looked down, and it was like something just hit me, like, I'm carrying my fucking brother. And I dropped him. And I'm glad there was somebody in front of me, because when I, it's like I dropped myself. Like, I went, I, I like, I fell. Like, I almost blacked out. Yeah, you, you collapsed. <laughs> Yeah, I collapsed when I was carrying them. Like in, into so tears, I, or did you faint? Or? Yeah, no, it was just from the pain and the hurt. No, like it like hit me. It actually got what I was doing. It was like right. I realized what I was doing, and I was like, oh, "Are you kidding?" Like, wait, you ain't coming to, back. It's a lot to handle. Yep. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah, and there was a big old party afterward. Like we went and had a big old not not like party, I guess, but the family. We just got big together. Old yeah, we had a big old family brunch. Yeah. And then I went off of my friends that night and got wasted drunk. And that was fun. <laughs> me, yeah, me, Brandon, and Buddha. I'm going to have them listen to this because, uh, yeah, me, Brandon, Buddha, Mike, and Jack, we sat in, uh, on the side of a house, one of our friends' houses. I'm not going to incriminate anybody, but we sat on the side of a house in a car, and we all got wasted, man. We, we drank like a 30-pack of beer and a, and a fifth of Jack. Yeah. We was all fucked. Yeah, it was fun night. You had, a lot, night. you had a lot to drink off, man. I mean, shit. Yeah. That's, that's a lot yeah, to yeah, they, they all got me through it, man. Like, Brandon, Buddha, them two mean a lot to me. Like, just, them, they're like the brothers I never had, I guess. And so they're really, they got me through. They were really yeah, supportive. They, yeah, they got me through a lot of that. That's good. That's good. So they all of them. Steven, yeah. Even Steven. Like, all the guys that knew us, man. But Brandon, Buddha, they, they were there. Like every day, that's cool. Man, thanks, Brand Buddha. Love you guys. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what do you think the what was the worst part? Would you say from the time you found out to now? What do you think was the worst part? What were, What were some of your? Do you have any you know darker thoughts or any times where you couldn't get out of bed or? I'm just, I'm just, I'm just kind of curious how, how, dark, how it I hit you. Probably when I tried committed, I, I, I tried to commit suicide in 2007. Really? Yeah. That's yeah. What'd you do? Yes, I did um, on Christmas Eve. I um. Oh, man. So I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't drink like that anymore. And um, but I I gotten obligingly drunk, I guess. And some shit was said that shouldn't have been said. And I fucking went off. I don't know. Was it regarding Robert or was it just something? Oh, no, no. Okay. no it was just about life and like my dad and all that shit. I went through the shit that we went through as kids. And then okay. Robert's death on top of that, I wasn't all the way over yet. So it was just like pretty much I was on a, a self-pity party, I guess you can see. I don't know. Well, <laughs> and then, um, I don't blame you. Yeah. And... um. My brother, Carol, like, put me in the back of his car. I don't remember nothing. I, I don't. The only thing I remember was his fist 
coming down on my face. My brother came up fucking pounding me in the face, and I was like, what the fuck is going on? And I got out of the car, and the next thing I know, I'm waking up with a tube in my mouth. And I'm like, what the fuck? I got hit by a car. I had 47 staples in my head. I had a hematoma. And so they get, I had to have uh, brain surgery. So <laughs> then, did you run out in front of the car? Is that how you that's, what, that's what Kale says happened, but I don't know. Wow. I don't know what happened. Um, the guy that hit me was doing like 42, and I was in the middle of the road. So I don't know if I like was being so drunk and I seen like four headlights because being that drunk you ain't gonna see straight and I like jumped the wrong way I couldn't tell you yeah. but my brother Kale took off when I got hit he took off and left me alone why because he had a warrant and what's fucked up about that is when she's saying that it's like. I can see a bumper and me grabbing a bumper with my hand and saying, you want me to die? I don't know why I see that, but I just thought maybe that was when I got hit. I, I don't know if that's just my own subconscious, like, telling me, but when she told me that, and I've never told anybody that, like, I remember grabbing a bumper, I'm like, whoa, and I fell, and that was it. And I said, I know I woke up in the hospital with a tube in my mouth. <laughs> so How I long know. were you in the hospital? Oh, three days. Anyway. I had to, I pulled everything off. Yeah, when I when I woke up, I, I I happened on Christmas Eve, and it was the best Christmas like I could ever have given my kids. Yet they were really little; yeah. they were like four, five, and seven. They were little kids, itty bitty. Yeah. And then um, let's see, no, no, two thousand seven. My son was three. My daughter Addison was two. And my daughter, Veda, was six. Oh, okay. When that happened. And so when I woke up, it was like the 26th or the 27th because I was in a, uh, a coma. They put me in a, a, a drug-induced coma or whatever they, when they put you out. Sure. <laughs> and I, I woke up. When I woke up, I thought that I killed my kids, man. I thought I wrecked the car and my kids were dead. And I'm like, my kids are dead. And my mom's like, no, you got no accidents, Harry. And you got hit by a car. I'm like, oh. And I went back out. Well, I woke back up. I don't know what day it was. Maybe 27th. Or it was like 27th or 28th, whatever day it was. But I woke up and I'm like, man, I miss Christmas. And now my brain's like, they pulled the tube out. I'm breathing on my own. And so it's like I'm, I'm coming around. Yeah, like, everything's coming to you. Yeah, but it's still a blur. Like, I can't think of when I talk on talking like that you know like yeah. real slow real real slow sure. it's hard to get the words out your mouth was dry but, too but knew, and all sorts yeah. of stuff yep and i knew i was gonna be all right so i'm like my eyes are swollen shut i can't see so i started grabbing the IV and i took it off and my wife's like what are you doing so i'm leaving well the doctors and everybody came around me because they alarm went off and like what are you doing you can't i said i'm leaving i miss christmas this is america welcome give me the paper i'm leaving this is like i'm america this is america i'm leaving right yeah, you so cannot hold me germany I'm this out. is my, yep i'm out and they're like well you gotta send a letter of that you can't blah 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 to me i don't care i'm leaving against medical advice i do not give a shit bye yeah <laughs> and i probably should have stayed because it really fucked me up dude <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I had three meat staples, I had my brain spider, and I got a hole in my head, and I go home. Yeah. So I went home, though. And that was it. And I went back to work, though. 
And um, I lied. My, 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 I was in the union, and my foreman had called me probably like a month, you know? I said, maybe beginning of February. I said the staples in my head. They weren't even out yet. Yeah. And he called me and said, hey, can you come back to work, do you think? I got an open spot for you, and you told you nothing. You're going to sit there and hold watch. Now, whole watch is when, like, I was a union, and I went out of BP. So if there's a confined space, a man sits outside the hall and signs in a paper, like, that's an amount of paper, and they go in. Yeah. That's what I mean. Yeah, that's the whole watch. Boring ass job. <laughs> 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 but anyhow, I was like, sure, fuck it. I ain't going to be running no jackhammer. I can't do that work right now, but cool. So I go to my doctor. I lie to my doctor. He knows I'm lying. I just want to go back to work. But now, my, now while I'm hurt, my union's giving me $400 a week as a um, a benefit because I got hurt and I couldn't go to work. So the, our fringe benefits pay you like 40% of a weekly check, of a 40-hour check. They just give it to you. No punishment or nothing. So I was getting that $400 on top of my 390 Unemployment. So I was getting like eight hundred dollars a week almost. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. Cool. I'm, I'm, I got drilled the money. Cool. And then, um, so I go to my doctor and I lie. So yeah, give me. I'm going. So the doctor sends that paper to unemployment. And unemployment sends that paper down to my fringe benefits. And my foreman says I have nothing for you. Totally fucked me, dude. I didn't go back to work. He told me no. I got all my cut and my pay cut off. I was stuck for another two months. Wow. Yeah, he screwed me over on that one. Jeez, I was mad. Nope. Yeah, no, I'm sorry about that. I mean, well, between your dad and the, you know, the stuff with Robert, and I mean, you lost, two, yeah. you lost two siblings, and your father was who he was, and then, yep. I mean, then you lo- you lose your mom, and I know that you're happy that she was able to, you know, yeah, find, I'm not, get, I'm not, get I'm not happy. I'm not, yeah, uh, yeah obviously yes, you're not exactly. happy. I'm not happy. Gone, I'm not happy. Mom died. I'm happy that she got peace. Right, <laughs> right. I get it. I, get it. <laughs> I understand that thought process. Yeah. It makes sense. And, you know, yeah. And who knows, you know, I mean, it sounds like Robert had it pretty rough. I mean, you guys had a rough childhood. Yeah. I mean, with the way your dad oh, was, and then he's oh, going dude, to his facilities. Yeah, when we were um, in 1982, my grandfather died. My mom's dad died. Oh, my dad's going off and go back here. Well, my mom's probably died in 1982. Well, my dad and my mom decided to pack us up and move me. Carol, Robert, and Timmy, I'm uh, Anthony Mikey, we went down to Texas for work, Houston, Texas. Huh. We were down there for probably, actually about a year, a year and a half. <laughs> well, my dad had us living in the ghetto, like a straight ghetto. We were the only white family for like miles. You go five miles that way, five miles that way, five that way, five that way. Right. And you were going to find one white family, and that was us. Right. So, you know, might have a target on your back. Well, that was the thing. They, they were fine. Everybody liked us. Oh, really? The, the that's good, that's yeah, they didn't. It was cool. Like, there was no racist, nothing like that. None of that, man. It was like in 1984, 83, 84. Yeah. So, one day, we were out there with my dad one day. Uh, he's got, like, me and my brother and my sister, we'd go outside and we'd play. 
we play with the kids in the neighborhood. The older kids, the older guys, you know, the what they would call fans, I guess. <laughs> but the guys out there making money and doing their living, they'd always buy us ice cream. Every day the ice cream man came, me and my brother and sister got included. They always bought us ice cream. They took care of it. It was cool. Cookouts, it was cool. That is cool. But one day, oh, it was, it was cool, man. They treated us like family. It was not bad. Yeah. <laughs> and one day, my dad and his brother decided to go on the train and rob the 7-Eleven at the corner, right down the road. Okay. They walk in. Yeah, they walk in with a blank gun. Like, you know, a blank? It shoots blanks. Well, the owner of the road that gun and laughed and pulled out his shotgun said, get the fuck out of my store. So my dad and his brother left. Came up to the corner of the, the courthouse now where we lived. It was, a, it was like a courtyard, I guess, uh, a building. It was a big square, a like a, a, four buildings that were squared and made a square, you know what I mean? And in the center of that was a pool and a courtyard in between all the buildings. So it was like a building on the north, a building on the west, a building at the south, and a building on the east. Yeah. yeah. It was like that. And then uh, my dad was coming through with his brother, and they were standing there. It was like, prank. 30 or 40 of these motherfuckers standing there. My dad goes out and pulls a gun on them. You know how far that got? They came running. Grabbed up my brother Robert. Me and Carol got away. Me and Carol got up the stairs. Yeah. They grabbed my brother Robert. My fucking dad comes running up the stairs with us. His brother's behind us. This dude grabs my brother Robert. Yeah. And these guys had real guns. Like... AKs like guns and they're shooting them in the fucking air. And my brother Robert's what was it, seventy three? He was born seventy eight, so my brother's like four, maybe five. Shit. <laughs> and uh, these guys, uh, my brother's got probably fifty guns from head to toe, all the way around his body. These guys circled around him and started yelling up at the, at my dad, like, get your fucking ass down here. We're going to kill this kid. And my dad says, kill him. I don't give a fuck. Kill him. Give a fuck. Kill him. Well, my mom come out the door. And when my mom came out the door, she seen all the guns on her kid. And yeah, she started, she lost it. That's mom just losing it. And then all these old black ladies started coming out and started yelling down at the guys like, Give that lady back her kid. He had nothing to do with this. This is between you and that fucking guy right there. Leave the goddamn kids alone. Yeah. Well, they heard that and whatever. And my mom went down. My dad stayed up at the top. My mom went down these stairs and the circle of them. Man, I wish I could see it, but imagine the circle. My brother in the middle and a big circle of people around him, like solid. It's filled. My mom gets down there at the end of the stairs and the bottom of that fucking circle at the stairs that opened up. Like horseshoe. It just kind of looked like a horseshoe opened up. Yeah. And I'm going, I don't know. Pow. Closed right back up. And so now it's my mom and my brother with all these guns. Well, a guy picks up my mom, goes to Robert, picks up my mom, and he says, We're switching. And he fucking carries my mom all the way up the stairs, comes running. Me kill, go into the house. My dad goes to go in. My mom's body come flying past him. He fucking threw my mom through the door. He grabbed my dad by his long ass nappy ass and pointed to him. He had knees. He him back out the door. They beat the hell out of that dude. Now me and my brother were like, kick his fucking ass. Kill that motherfucker. Jump up the fucking balcony. Kill that motherfucker. He didn't. He didn't. They beat the fuck out of him, though. Good. And then next morning, yeah, next morning we woke up with a big old, I don't know, I was a little kid. It was probably a 12-inch knife, 
It was a really big knife, but a note says you got 24 hours. <laughs> we were gone in two. <laughs> but yeah, that's kind of man that my dad was. Wait, wait, wait. You have 24 hours. Where would you find the knife? On the door. It was nailed to the door with a knife. It came in with a, with a letter. It took the knife. Stuck it to the fucking door and said, hey, that, no, that said you got 24 hours. Basically, you guys had to get the fuck out of there. Yep. Jesus. Yeah, yeah it, sounds like your, it sounds like your dad made your guys' life just a fucking living hell. That's why I said I wish my grandfather would have dropped him off the roof that day. You said he's free now, though? Who, my father, yeah. You know where he yeah, is? Where he lives? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't do it. Don't ever do anything stupid. Fucking just leave it in the past, you know? I've talked to former residents of the Lord's Ranch who said that they they had actually sat outside of Old Burr with with a loaded gun and thought about going and just picking off the staff members that fucked him over. You know, had yep. molested him or whatever, and he—I mean, that, these are stories that this this guy had said, and I was just like, I'm just like, I can't really blame you for even, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's yep. it's really hard to blame anybody for feeling that way or wanting to do that, or even you know when you get to the get to the breaking point of doing it, it's just like, how can you? When you see people doing these kind of things and getting away with it, they got away with it. They got away with all this shit. What 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 consequences did they face? What what Ted got had to spend two years in prison for something that had nothing to do with abuse? Like that place, you know how many places out there, how many facilities out there? The majority of them, I guarantee, are like that. They, they've just shut down recently three di- there's three different facilities that just got shut down for shit wow. like that like recently like within I don't know maybe a month or two one was just like a couple days ago I think and like yeah so like and it was in Missouri and uh, you know I mean and the only reason the Lord's Ranch got shut down though was because of the financial shit it wasn't the abuse they got away with that shit for that long it's like those assholes, they got raided by the state police and they were telling everybody as the staff were taking them to go get interviewed by the state police. They're all wearing suits. They look like FBI agents. So everyone thought they were from the FBI. But the, they were telling the residents that they had recording devices in there so they'd be able to hear everything that they told the the, pe- the people, the investigators. And so they're fucking witness tampering. Like, they would just do everything they could to get away with it. They lost their license three years in owning that place. Oh, you know, so so they lose it, but then they change it to where there, it was like a suspension or something, and I think that the governor probably helped them with that because I think it was Huckabee at the time. And, uh, you know, Huckabee had a boner for the souls, so that's why he got Ted out early. And, you know, I'm just like, man, fuck those guys. And people have – I've had people, you know, tell me, you know, what about you know basically death threats saying you know that for doing this podcast get you know that i'm gonna get killed or something i'm like all right if, if you're willing to kill somebody so you can rape and abuse children then i don't give a fuck i'm gonna do it 
So I'm so that's why I want to do it, and that's why I want to find out the truth of all this shit, man. Really, I just want to. And, and, and if anything, you know, it's it's been it's been very therapeutic for me. Like I said, it's been helpful to talk to the other residents and know that I'm not alone in in this feeling. And 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 all the other so many of the other residents, they've said the same thing. They just they just like they just like I, I just thought I was the only one who still cared because it's so long ago or whatever. No man, this shit this shit really leaves an impact on people. That death your your brother's death, it left an impact on you. And that's the kind of stuff that just it just it'll it, it can wane on people, you know? And if you have facilities that are dedicated to doing that kind of stuff and that's how they conduct themselves and the federal government is funding it. No, fuck that. That shouldn't be the case. Everybody everybody needs to be aware because people aren't aware. There are so many people that aren't even aware these places exist. All they know is, oh, this kid's got going, going in for treatment. No, this isn't treatment. This isn't treatment. This is hell. This is a place that you're getting sent to to get fucked up and getting taken advantage of and all this other shit. So, no, I, I don't believe in it. You know, I, I think there are some facilities that are actually good. I think I was better after I got out of the uh, facility in, in Alaska, the Alaska Children's Services. I, I, th- I thought I was a better person coming out of there because it was almost like they had gotten some of that – that uh, that propensity for violence had co- had gotten. I mean, I you know, I still had some incidents here and there, you know, n- nothing nothing ever permanently goes away, I guess. But they did help me. Lord's Ranch, they they drug me down. They drug me to the bottom of the earth where they lived, and they were pieces wow. of shit. So uh, you know, you, you're I, I I don't I don't blame anybody who ever ran from that place, and I'd be. I'd be very interested to hear more details about the, I guess, the circumstances of the runaway. Um, yeah. If Chris ever wants to talk about it, uh, just, uh, yeah, wife, you know. If my, wife told me that, my wife just told me that was him that tried calling me. <laughs> well, shit, man. So, when we're done, we're, it, I'm calling. I was going to say, is there anything else you want to talk about, you know, with Robert or anything before we, we, we wrap this up? Well... Fuck. I won't, maybe. Well, I gotta talk to Chris again. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I can tell you what, if you want to talk to Chris, by all means, and if you want to talk to me, it can be off the record, it can be on the record. I don't give a shit. I just want to... I'm, I'm, just, trying, I'm just trying to get to the bottom of everything, and, you know, I, I just want to know the truth. What really happened yeah, at the Lord's Ranch? That's the name of the fucking page. That's what we right? want. We want to know that. Everyone wants to know that. All the kids that were victims there, all the kids that saw victims there. What really happened? What else happened? Because I know that I was only there for a fraction of the time. There was a lot more shit that went on when I wasn't there. There was a lot of shit that went on that when I was there, but I wasn't around. What really happened? That's what I want to know. So, hey, man, you go ahead and you talk to Chris. And, uh, okay. You know, if he doesn't, if he, if, 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 if he, if he doesn't want to talk to me, that's fine. I don't, hold, I don't hold any ill will against him for it. That that's his choice. That's any. Everybody has their choices, and some people they want to get it off their chest. Some people are are willing to because they know they want to help the cause. But some people just want to leave the past in the past, and I understand that, and that's okay. But so whatever he chooses, that's fine. But yeah, go ahead and call him. It's been ten years, you said, right? 
Yeah, at least yeah, something like that. But it sounds like you two. Yeah, need last time we talked to him, last time we talked to him about it, go fist to fist and blow the blow. Well, man. Yeah. Well, Tom, I'm I'm sorry for what he had to deal with too. I was oh, I was yeah. a resident at that place, and I don't blame him for running away. Yeah, I'm gonna tell him that too. I'm gonna let him know when I talk to you. I'm gonna tell him like you used to be a resident there, and you're doing like the what really happened. Uh, like a podcast type thing, an investigation in this motherfucking place. And I'd like to hear your side of the story, Chris. I have private investigators. And, and yeah, it's just shits. We're, 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 we're getting information. Trust you, me. There's a lot that's off the record right now. Um, haven't said everything yet, but uh, no. trust you, me. There's a, there's a lot of information out there that uh, I'll tell you right now, Ted Soul does not want people to find out about. No. Because I told my wife, I'm like, this guy's going to fucking hear me giving this thing about Robert. He's going to come and find me, and I hope he does, because I got something waiting for him. Yeah, I, I pity the poor soul who comes over here looking for trouble. I'll tell you that. Right. I'll leave it at that. But, uh, hey, man, I really appreciate you talking to me. Again, oh, no problem. I'm, 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 I'm sorry about everything that happened with Robert, the way you had to grow up, the shit you dealt with with your father. I'm sorry your father's free. Sounds like he's, yeah, he's an awful person. And you know what? If yeah. if my dad was still alive and he had continued to get worse and not taking any medication, then I probably would add something just as bad or similar or something. You know, I don't want to speak poorly, Ill, you know, poorly of my father. He had a mental condition, but um, mm-hmm. you know, it is what it is. It's one of those things that I I I hate that his life ended that way, and I hate that he had those mental problems. But you know. Sometimes I wonder if he would have been one of those guys that got to the point where he would have killed his whole family. You know what I mean? It's just some people just get to some people can just they go crazy. But yeah, man, you go ahead and you talk to Chris. It's been good talking to you. Um, Can I um can I call you dinner? Yeah, absolutely. You can call me whenever you want, Terry. All right, cool. And then um, and he tells me some stuff like he doesn't want to talk, but he t- he tells me like the story. Like I really don't want to talk, but you hey, I'll tell you, you can tell it. Yeah, and so, uh, you can give him my number if you want. You can show okay. him my page or, or tell him about my page. I don't know if he has a Facebook right. or whatever, but um, yeah, there's there's more stuff coming. Trust me, there's a lot coming down the pipeline. So, um, All right, cool. yeah, it's been it's been great getting to know you. And uh, I'm glad you took time out of your day to talk to me. So, uh, oh, thank you for giving me the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely, man. Anytime, anytime. I waited 20, 20 years to get that out there, man. Anybody that was there in '95, man, I hope they they contact and speak up. Yep. Anybody who was there when Chris Chandler, Christopher Chandler, and Robert Westerhoff, when they were there in '95, if you were there. If you ever saw them, if you know who worked there at the time, if you know other people who were there, feel free to reach out to us because we'd love to talk to you. Yeah, that'd be great. All right. All right, Terry. Well, All right, thanks a lot, Ryan. Yeah, catch up with Chris and uh, yeah, send him my regards. All right, man. I'll talk to you later, bud. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. All right. Bye. Terrence Westerhoff loved his brother Robert. It's been nearly 30 years since he died in that accident. And Terry still remembers the name of the facility that had Robert in custody when he passed. That honestly touched my heart. 
It was inspirational. I hearken back to his story of how terrible he was at baseball when he first tried out. But he didn't want to give up. So while all the naturally talented kids on the baseball diamond enjoyed their offseason, Terry practiced and Robert coached him. When the next season came around, coaches were trying to get him on the older teams because he was so good at America's pastime. Anybody would be lucky to have his tenacity. If I can take anything away from this podcast with Terry, it's admiration and inspiration. Never give up on your dreams. Don't be afraid to lose. You may be only one person, but you can accomplish the same goal that took thousands of people to achieve together. You may even start a domino effect. You can do amazing things when you try. You could change the world. In addition to every episode being dedicated to Deanna Fields, This episode is dedicated to Robert Westerhoff and Chris Chandler. Boys, you escaped a place that broke the law as if it was part of their day-to-day routine. And I don't blame you for it one bit. Sometimes breaking the rules is the only way to enact change. I don't believe you died for nothing. You shined a spotlight on a gaping hole in the troubled teen industry's flawed system. So I don't have anything more to say other than rest easy. And know that in 2023, your name has made it onto the sound waves. Technology has changed a lot since 1995, but now your name is a part of it. Your brother loves you, and he always will. Rest easy, Robert. If you or a friend have had a personal experience with the Lord's Ranch slash Trinity Behavioral Health or have any tips concerning the facility, please feel free to reach out to us by messaging us on our Facebook. You can find us at the account named What Really Happened at the Lord's Ranch. We'd like to thank each and every one of our listeners for finally giving us a chance to tell our side of the story without being called liars, except for people with fake accounts. Thank you. We'd like to thank Justin Andrus Sr., a.k.a. Crew L.A., Black Tuba, for all the music he made on this podcast. He's talented, so if you want to reach out to him, we'll put a link to his social media in the description box. For everybody who took time out of their day to help make this podcast a reality, we want to thank all of you. Without each and every one of you, none of this would be possible. Let justice be served, though the heavens may fall. It's never too late to right another wrong. We'd also like to dedicate this podcast to Deanna Fields. Rest easy, D. You'll always be missed and never be forgotten.